There we go. When the green light comes on, I'll hit the first clip. You are watching Coco Talk, the world's leading weekly video podcast featuring a candy-colored computer. We spread the love to the past, present, and future for all models, including the original color computer, the Coco 3, and the world-renowned exclusive French This is Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. Streaming live on YouTube and Roku, available as a podcast and enjoyed the world over. And now, here's your host. <laughs> Welcome to Coco Talk, everybody. I'm your announcer, Rob Inman. How's everyone doing? Hey, Rob. Wow, doing fine. Fantastic. Rob Delvo, yes. what's going on? Uh, lots of nothing. <clears throat> Been uh, posting things like usual to my uh, little cubby holes. Uh, show us your uh, candy cocoa and uh, uh, what else? Uh, my uh, Ron's Garage. I have uh, some things in there that uh, are interesting to look at. Other than that, just kind of living life, taking care of my mom. My wife was sick for three weeks, had a terrible cold. Other than that, <clears throat> that's about it. Excellent. Well, the wife's doing better now? Yeah. Much better. Back to work uh, Friday, which is good. L. Curtis Boyle, the creator and updater of Ease of Use. Well, one of. Bill Noble's helping a lot with that, too. So. The only person working currently on Ease of Use. <laughs> the only person pretending to work on There is no one else involved in Ease of Use except L. Curtis Boyle. Now, I'm just going to make it more difficult for everybody. We're going to have the uh, non-Ease of Use version soon. <laughs> one of many. It's a shame. It's a sham. How, how, how is your uh, hot water heater and how is your uh, Coco Talk, uh, or sorry, Coco Fest planning going? Uh, the heater seems to be doing a bit better today. I shut the water off for a while. I did a drain out of the drain valve in the bottom. And it, uh, I may, I'm hoping what has happened is that some of the grit and crap inside it got lodged onto the overflow valve and kind of locked it open is what caused it to do it. So now it has definitely slowed down a lot to the point of dripping and i did some research on the web and it sounds like if, if that's something like that happens sometimes it takes a couple of days for it to completely stop so i'm going to see if that happens which would let me avoid having to replace the whole darn thing so i'm um, crossing my fingers on that that is awesome and that directly affects the uh, ability to go to the fest so that's uh it's crossing the fingers on my other hand now for that that reason <laughs> so how old is that heater i don't even remember off the top of my head it's over a decade for sure, maybe two decades. I can't remember now. Hey, maybe getting time. Yeah, it Do might be. And guys... the water here is notorious for having a lot of calcium buildup too. So, and I Do haven't always you... remembered to drain it every year. Do some of you guys rent them out that way? Pardon me. Do some of you guys rent them that way? Some people rent their water tank, uh, hot water heaters. I I don't even know if that's an option up here. 
Yeah, I'm in Ontario. I don't know if that's an Ontario thing or. I do know we have insurance now that'll cover it, but the insurance deductible is a thousand dollars, and a water heater is usually less than that. So unless the labor is really incredibly high, it wouldn't save me too much. Yeah, I don't know if it makes sense. Now this is a Canadian water heater, so did it apologize to you? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm it sorry. might have been made in the states. That's so just been giving me the finger the whole time. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, might have been. <laughs> it's because we got to put French on everything. <laughs> yeah. No, I'll, I'll keep you guys posted, but um, it's, it's looking better than it did yesterday. So hopefully it keeps going in that direction. Excellent. And our resident Apple guru, Mark D. Overholzer. Hey there. Uh, I'm here. Doing? I'm awake. Uh, nothing really to report. Hoping uh, probably I'm going to Coco Festo. Got my tickets. All right. Brian Weasler. Yes, sir. What have you been up to? Oh, actually, lately I've been traveling for work. I've been actually out of town most of the last 10 days. So, but uh, just been kind of mostly working and doing a few things here and there. I did uh, get to miss, meet Mr. Retro Innovations himself. Oh, wow. Jim Brain? Yep. I was, did he uh, troll you? No, no, actually, I trolled him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to, for traveling for work, I was going to be right in his backyard. And so I dropped him a note and said, hey, do you want to meet for lunch? And so we uh, met for lunch and uh, sat down for about an hour and a half and uh, chatted about uh, a lot of things. Of course, uh, a lot of it being around the, uh, the color computer and retro and a little bit of the future and, you know, where we see things going. And uh, it was a nice conversation. Got to know him a little bit more personally. So it was nice. And did he convince you to part with any of your money for all of his awesome projects or? Uh, actually I did place an order on his website and I got personal hand delivery. So there you go. <laughs> wow. Um, wow. Yeah. So yeah, bought a couple connectors and one of his, uh, uh, adapter, uh, extender cards that you can extend out through the, the ROM, ROM port there. So I wanted to get one of those. And so I, uh, I picked up one of those and, uh, uh, Something too. I don't know, I'm sure what uh, if you want me to share it now or not, but it, uh, I did pick up myself up a, a new monitor for a free price, so it was kind of nice. So I was going nice. to kind of show that one. I have I have well, real quick statement and a quick question for you, Brian Weiser. But all right, so for you guys who are using the restream chat to say hi to people, stop. <laughs> like four times now for each person you say hi, Rob. Hi, Rob. Hi, Rob. Hi, Rob. Um, so reserve that for like posting a link or something like that. Um, and, and my question to you, uh, Brian Weasler, you have met the 8-bit guy, and you've met Jim oh. Brain. So which was a more uh, amazing experience for you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you put me on the spot here and stuff like that. <laughs> and, and don't worry that Jim's in the chat. Just go oh, right yeah. ahead and say the honest truth. So. <laughs> no, no, actually, they're both, they're both very uh, both very interesting. I mean, uh, obviously, uh, the 8-bit the guy there, I mean, he uh, – he has a really a broad spectrum, but uh, he's also Commodore, just like uh, Mr. Jim Brain is. He kind of leans a little more that direction. But, uh, um, you know, one's, you know, talking about the past and sharing, you know, information about the past where, you know, Jim, he's, he's uh, excited about the future. He still yeah. thinks we've got a good solid 10, 15 years of this wave. You know, yeah. Well, in that case, Brian, please don't read his comment in the YouTube yeah. chat. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it says, don't tell Brian it was agonizing to fill an hour and a half talking to him. <laughs> no, at, least, at least he didn't say something like I had something in between my teeth or something like that the whole time while I was, while I was eating or something like that. So. <laughs> but uh, no, 
No, I did get myself a, a monitor. We've been talking about uh, those Dell monitors, the the, yeah. the, uh, the 2007s. Yeah. Um, actually, at one of my offices, uh, it was on the disposal pile. And it's like, uh, this isn't going anywhere except for my house. Um, it's over here. It's actually a Dell 2408. Wow. It's a 24-inch version of that same monitor. Um, what's kind of cool about it is it has picture-in-picture capabilities. And so you can see there on my screen, I got uh, Zaxxon going. And actually, I got uh, the through the uh, VGA port, uh, through the switcheroo, I got one, and then the other is composite side by side. But you could have a couple different inputs. It has uh, HDMI, it has uh, DVI ports, uh, display port on it, uh, VGA, com and uh, all of them, the whole, whole kit and caboodle. So yeah, I was hooking that up. It was kind of fun to kind of play with, been playing with that a little bit. but. Uh, when you uh, when you switch it over to just um, when you turn the uh, display port off, come on, where are we at here? There it is. You get a nice uh, nice big picture on it though, on, on a twenty four inch. That's awesome. And the color the colors come through nice and everything. I really like it. So yeah, that is nice. Yeah. So uh, the price was right on that one. So oh, yeah. yeah. But other than that, yeah, I've been kind of traveling. I wasn't able to, to join last week. I uh, was on uh, through the Facebook. I was kind of listening to it while I was working. I worked all weekend long, so I, uh, I didn't get a chance to hop on. But, uh, nope, been busy. But all's good. I do have a few things that I picked up, but I'll share those next week. Well, last week you missed the new Coco Talk theme song, and the creator and inventor and writer and performer and producer of that excellent uh, song is here today, Bruce Moore. I, we have heard a rumor that Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, and we want to know if it's true. Keeping the tandy flame alive. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, still is as far as I know. Uh, yeah. It's all good. I, 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 oh. Every once in a while, I think about writing a verse for that. You know, for that song. <coughs> I'm not sure how many people would I, I would insult with it though. <laughs> well, just don't mention that Tandy Flame lives in a dumpster. Oh. <laughs> Maybe there could be multiple versions. Maybe there could be the the public version <laughs> and the private version or something. Yeah, they could do the holiday theme versions later. And oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The grievances version. Oh yeah. Uh, you know. Start listing all the grievances. <laughs> <laughs> We're sorry. We're sorry. Yeah, I just have that in there once in a while. Well, it is a catchy tune. I will tell you that. Well, thank you. I, uh, I, I, I'm. Uh, I don't know if anybody noticed in Discord there, but I was asking some C questions the last couple of days. I'm. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to get there, but I'm thinking about trying some C programming on the Cocoa. And there's uh, the C mock and all that is looking pretty cool. Neat. Yeah, there's a few people that use that. I know Brendan Donahue uses it quite a bit, even for his Coco VGA stuff. So, yeah, just love C. And of course, As Paris Rat. I think all that stuff. A lot of that was some C wrappers around it too. Yep. Cool stuff. Well, down under and upside down, and in the future, Nick Morentes author of fun star and rockstar pilot on os9 rom cartridge nick marentes oh you got the wrong guy that's nick um marionetti <laughs> 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 no, just, 
I just like uh, you know breaking things. Oh no, hang on, that's David Ladd, isn't it? <laughs> really? I think you're having an identity crisis now. <laughs> yeah, Thank uh, nothing. You. You <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, no, nothing new. Just plugging along. Yeah, nothing to report. <laughs> All right, well, uh, Mr. James Jeffendaffer always has a train to report, either coming or going. James? Uh, no trains today. The uh, flooding wiped out the main line, so I've got a quiet time today. Wow. Very nice. sitting here digesting my lunch because you guys start to dis at lunch my time. No projects. Cool. Will you have time to help us unravel the basic ROMs today, by any chance? <laughs> I think they're beyond help. <laughs> and the man with the ukulele who drives all of the uh, the musical genius on the show, Nick Morota. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Hi. Hello. How are you? No, not was that what I was originally going to say. Oh, okay. But, uh, I, 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 fixed I like it. to think I like to think I can play okay, but uh, I, I'm I'm no D Bruce Moore, that's for sure. You, you don't hear me play ukulele. Yeah, <laughs> well, I was I I, I kind of came to that realization last night that at least three of the Canadians we have on here all are extremely musically talented. You know, like Bruce Moore, we've got Curtis Boyle and Nick Morota. So there's something in the water in Canada. It's our it's our, it's think, our hot water heaters. Yeah, it's either that or the vodka. That's one of the two. Yeah. Winters are long and cold. Yeah, that's it. Nothing else to do but play uh, play our instruments indoors. That's right. And last but not least, a man who once told his daughter to give that cat some damn water. Well, we're, I'm not. I'm not. I'm definitely least, but I'm not last. There's somebody on the bottom of the screen you haven't gotten to yet either. I got through everyone. What about Mark B, who's streaming the show for us oh. today? Okay, okay. <laughs> but but don't forget Mark. So we'll save the best for last. Mark um, B. Yeah. So executive uh, producer in the booth. <laughs> well, in the booth anyway. Mark B. Forget Stevie Stro. Who needs yeah. him? Uh, don't don't upset Mark. If he pulls the plug, we're all gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Just one click away. Mark, so, how's it looking in the booth? I'm uh, looking fine. Um, that was this week's big project, was getting all this set up. And, of course, uh, my... And getting uh, your voice back. Yeah, a little bit better today. Uh, cold all week and uh, lost my voice totally yesterday. So uh, that was fun. Uh, a little bit better today. Hopefully it'll last through the whole show. So, yeah, that's what's going on. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you. You're too kind. Um, so thank you and thank to Rob Inman and Tom C and Grant Leedy, who's done it in the past, and to Richard who, Richard Lorbieski, who's offered, and hopefully maybe he'll have time at some point where we can get with him. Brian Weasler has offered, so we'll try to get Brian Weasler set up next, and then we have Terry Steggy, who has also offered, but what we're trying to achieve here is... Um, Having one more than one person who can stream the show. We, we've only missed one episode in two years and 100 episodes, so that's not a bad track record. But it's just nice to know we've got some redundant infrastructure. And um, well, we got redundancy, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the the hardest the hardest piece. You can say that again. Yes. Well, can you say it again, Bruce? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes. Um, so the, the, the most critical component is being able to actually stream the show. So we need somebody who can stream it. And other than that, the show kind of runs itself. You know, there's enough talking heads that we can sit here and, and, and generate some hot air, but we need somebody to be able to push that button. So it takes no talent is what you're saying. Yes, yes. No talent so, required. Yeah, well, I mean, you guys did a hell of a job last week, honestly. Um, so I enjoyed listening to the show, and there was good, good conversations, good stuff going on, and uh, yeah, good stuff. So thank you, thank all of you guys, you guys, for for doing that last week, and thank you to Mark B today for doing this, and everybody who's helping carry the torch and keep the Tandy Flame alive. Um, Did you want to mention some of the underlying changes too? Uh, I mean, like we're going to OBS. Yeah, that kind of thing. You know, just to keep people kind of up to date what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah, I guess we could do that. Yeah, I mean, so in the past, I've used some software called X Split, letter X hyphen Split, which is a paid uh, program. Uh, it's a commercial version of OBS, which is open source and free. Uh, and I just used, and the irony of it is, is that when I first started my YouTube stuff, I looked at OBS and I couldn't figure out how to use it. It was, I just like, I, it was just, my head exploded trying to figure it out. But X Split just seemed a little bit easier and more user-friendly to get off the ground. So I started with XSplit and I've been using XSplit for four years now. Now that I've looked at OBS, it's not really much different than XSplit, but for whatever reason, my mind was able to understand XSplit a little easier four years ago. So maybe OBS has gotten better too, but way back in the day, OBS is what I use, but OBS costs money. Uh, OBS has had some issues, like when they, they've done some updates and that update. Now, that XSplit costs money and has issues. I mean, yeah, yeah. XSplit costs money. What I what I have been using costs money. XSplit. Um, and a couple of shows ago, you know, uh, it had <laughs> updated and screwed everything up. So, um, you know, we actually had a delay getting getting things off because right before we went live, everything was screwed up, and I had to you know, futz with it. So I'm hoping now, um, the good news is, because people are helping to stream, I don't want everybody to have to buy this software. Like Grant, when he did it, he actually bought a license to do it, which was nice of him to do. Grant was going to be our original backup streamer. Um, he's, his life got busy. Uh, so Tom C. was our first person we set up on, um, on OBS. Tom C. did a couple of ones from Jersey. And Tom is helping get other people set up because my work schedule has been so crazy. Um, but yeah, we're moving over to OBS. And the nice thing will be is once we've kind of figured out all these growing pains, we should be able to save all these configurations and export them and other people can pick them up and hopefully hit the ground running with less learning curves as we kind of figure it all out, you know? Yeah, and one thing I noticed yesterday from the testing on, on when we were doing the test stream <clears throat> is that the video quality on, on things like Facebook seems to be much better. I don't know if that's just Mark's connection or if it's OBS or a combination of the two, but uh, it definitely looked clearer and crisper. You can read all the you know, chat really easy, and even small text are showing up on the screen a lot better than before. So it seems to be an improvement in quality, actually. Well, except for the content of the show, but as far as the streaming quality goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm we can't I'm do everything at, in one day. Right. I mean, I'm looking at it now. Um, I would agree with you. I noticed that last night, too. The Facebook stream, particularly, as, as I'm watching it live, is like pristinely clear and sharp. Um, Salvador Garcia says the panel has so much to say and share that if that energy was harnessed, it could power a small city. <laughs> yeah. Ken says you're down with OBS. You're down with OBS? Yeah, you know me. Yeah. 
Um, so, Mark O, if you um, if you guys, for those of you who have the Restream IO chat client open, yep. on the bottom of that, you'll see a number of combined viewers. There's a little eyeball icon with a number. Ah, so, if you're, gotcha. you're trying to see how many viewers we have between YouTube and Facebook, you'll see that gotcha. total there. Oh, I, I think I see here on Facebook now, too. So, that yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, that's one of that's that's some of the changes in progress right now is we're trying to get more people able to have the show. Uh, well, we changed the time again too. All right, we're at two p.m. again. We did it last week just because I don't remember why. There was a reason I forgot. <laughs> why, why did we change the time last week? I don't remember. Was it's it? usually due to real life in some way, shape, or yeah, form. Yeah, yeah, and everybody voted it that way. Yeah, so we've had some discussions. And, and by the way, for those of you uh, watching, if you would like to be part of these discussions, you know, we have a um, channel on Discord that's called Coco Talk Lobby. And this is kind of where we throw things out there and um, get some kind of consensus. And we, we also have a channel in there for news suggestions. So if anybody comes across something they want us to report on uh, in an upcoming episode, we've kind of opened that up where we can crowdsource news and people can just throw out links to things. And uh, we'll try to pull those up. So we're trying to use Discord as the um, behind-the-scenes platform to communicate and plan throughout the week. Uh, for those who are interested in maybe being a fly on the wall, or um, maybe helping to contribute either you know behind the scenes or on the panel or whatever else you guys want to do. You too can have no update by coming on Zoom. <laughs> nothing nothing to report here so <laughs> yeah. yes uh okay is that a good uh little introduction around the room did we miss anybody we got everybody we got james we got d bruce with no camera uh good stevie stroh the man who hears everything <laughs> He'll accuse you of wiping your ass with sandpaper. <laughs> <laughs> save that uh, for the just, after show. Yeah, save that for dark. after dark, yeah. Oh. Weep. <laughs> <laughs> Redacted. Yeah. All right. Now, this awkward silence is just killing me. <laughs> <laughs> We're waiting for you. Oh, you're waiting next for me. I'm not hosting the show. What's the next section? I've finished my update. Yeah. Peter. Over and out. Stevie. What? Oh, I have a question. Yes, Nick. Yes. So I've been eyeing a Coco 2 here in Ottawa. And I am wondering, yeah, I've Coco heard de? a Coco 2. And I have heard about the, um, because it's so old, and I'm assuming the capacitors haven't been changed. Is that going to be an issue that I need to worry about? Maybe. Maybe. They probably should be changed. Is that something? So, assuming that I'm not really good at that kind of thing, is that something that I could uh, find someone who would do? Get get Curtis yes. to help you. Yeah, oh, if you want. So if you want a coating of hair on the capacitors, <laughs> yeah, get me to help. Yeah, I gotta be one of you guys. I mean, like, is that something like I don't know, like someone with electronics experience could do? Like, if I... Well, I think both uh, Jim Brain and 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 uh, Richard Lubiaski of Boys and Tech both offer that service, but you obviously have so does Cloud Nine. Cloud Nine. Cloud as well, Nine. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. But I'd have to ship, which is kind of a pain. Yep. Yeah. Uh, are you going? To, you're not going to the fest, are you, Nick? No, I'm not. Okay, because you could also get it done in person there too. So, um, I, to be honest, I mean, I've still got 
Cocoa ones that don't have issues with the capacitors. I, I think you know sometimes they do end up leaking and stuff, but not all of them. So you might, you might, you might be fine. Because the guy says it works, and you know, so I, I I'm not worried that it's not going to work. I'm just worried that uh, you know, I need to do something to mm. keep it working. Well, when you get it, maybe bring it on the show, and, and we'll have some of the hardware guys take a look at the capacitors and see if it looks like them are bulging and stuff that are you know, ready to go, and, and see if there's also the an issue quality. quickly, or or just you know it looks like yeah. they're fine for now and just let it go. Oh, that'd be awesome. Okay, that's really great. Thank you. You okay. might also find somebody there close to you that works on them. Um, I don't know if Reichfeld does. Uh, I know he works on his own stuff. But I don't know if he works on other people's stuff. Yeah. And he's where is he's in Niagara or something? I can't even remember now. No, that's uh, no, that's uh, what's uh, Neil? Neil, yeah, no, he's uh, where is he? He's does Neil, do hard, does Neil do hardware stuff? I don't know if he does classic hardware stuff. You could ask him because I'm close to Niagara, relatively. I grew up in Niagara, actually. Huh. Must have been awful wet. <laughs> <laughs> Only behind the falls. Yeah, that little carving out there where you go behind. Yeah, yeah it's really cool. Where are you in Canada? Nick? I'm in I'm in the nation's capital of Ottawa right now. It doesn't sound very far from Chicago. I, I think, think Neil might be there. I think Neil Blanchard does some hardware because he works on stuff for John Linville. He's worked on the joystick adapters and he assembles the uh, ROM packs and things. So I think Neil does have some. Yeah, he's the cheap Canadian labor, right? Yeah, so. yeah. Maybe I'll hit him up. Well, first, I'll have you guys look at it, like you said, and if you see it look, needs any work, maybe I'll see if Neil can, uh, knows anybody or... Yeah, and just, you, may, you may not need it at all. I mean, your capacitors may be fine. Right. So yeah. If fine. he says they work, then it's if he says it's working, then it, it is working now. So it's going to work. Yeah. Um, I'm just worried that like, if they if something happens, like if they bulge and explode or whatever, whatever happens to them, I have no idea. Yeah. They usually bulge. <laughs> Bulging and exploding is reserved for after dark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, most, uh, most of the monitors I have are. Uh, dumpster rescues that uh, all they needed was capacitor changes to get them working again. Like this oh, one, Stevie, I see we have a guest one. in the chat, too. Ah. Uh, Retro oh, Arcade Gaming, which is a guy oh, we yeah. talked to you about his, his, some of his... Yeah, we, can't, we, we came across his video. Is that in the news to, to cover this week, too? Yes, it is. Okay, excellent. Excellent. So, yeah, Retro Arcade Gaming, we're going to show off your... At least one of them. You're going to show off the Joust one and post a link to that, right? I've got um, both in the queue, so I mean, okay. yeah, we can do both. Yeah. Qui-Gon really... says that uh, Henry uh, Reichfeld is in Brantford, Ontario. Yeah, so Nick, you got you had several options, but you may not need to even worry about it. We'll just have to see what your cocoa looks like when you get it in. Okay. Virtual Arcade Gaming suggesting I learn to solder. It's not that hard to do it. Mm. Hey, just don't take a page from the Curtis Boyle soldering cookbook yeah um, don't, don't definitely don't. yeah it, bill noble at the very least or you know <laughs> yeah that's, that's I why i let bill do all my soldering it's uh after that one incident no well, you know it was he did have the mullet oh i had nothing to do with the mullet it's just, that's my soldering skills you know i'm not like i didn't solder my finger to my forehead <laughs> i am going to post I'm going to post the Zoom link just in the YouTube chat, and I'll do it for you guys, so don't worry about it. Uh, in case uh, Retro Arcade Gaming would like to join us, I will post the link to join us on, on Zoom. Yeah, if you can post him uh, uh, the information for Discord, too. That'd be kind of neat to have him in there as well. Yeah. 
Also, a shout out to uh, Alexander Wallace in the chat. He said he hasn't been here in quite a while. So, I believe Alexander Wallace is in Mexico, right? Yes, I believe so. Viva la Mexico. As we get more and more international yeah, yeah. representation. Yeah, the, the wall has not been built yet, so he can still watch us, thankfully. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the firewall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, once the Wi-Fi blocking wall goes up, that's, that's the end of that. <laughs> Well, since they're making it out of iron, is that making it an iron curtain? Yes, yes, yes. All right. So we covered everybody in the panel right now. So far, everybody, we said what you've been up to this week. Uh, did anybody? I, I believe Brian Weasler. Did you say you had a pro, you had something to update us? I did have a I did have a couple uh, things that I picked up, but I uh, I'll, I'll have to grab them real quick. All right, well, while you're doing that, I'll do a quick update. I'll show you guys. I'll just move my camera around. My my project this past couple of days has been redoing my office, which has been a, a, a shite hole forever. But So right now you can see, like, a lot of space behind me. You can see floor, which is pretty impressive. <laughs> you can Shocking. see some wall space, yeah. So I still have this side here that has not been reorged. But the back of the office now is fairly empty. I've got a new desk down here, which is kind of hard to see. I got my new three screen set up. So you, you moved stuff, but did you vacuum? Yes, vacuumed. Yeah. <laughs> we vacuumed, absolutely. What size are your monitors there? Uh, they're you know, all... Size matters. Yes, uh, the, they're all around 24. Okay. I think two of them are at least 24. The one on the right might be 22, I'm not sure, but eventually I'll have all three monitors the same because when they're not perfectly lined up, it bothers me to look at them. So, um, and that's the problem right now. I've got three different monitors at three different elevations. And so my eyes are like doing a wave. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And the, the mice do weird things too. Yeah. Are you, uh, are you looking for a, uh, a three monitor arm? What was the question? Are you looking for a three monitor arm? I have it. I'm, I already have. I bought the arm. Oh. I have a brand new arm. I have one brand new monitor, and I have two of oh. my pre-existing oh, okay. monitors Very that good. will eventually get phased into complete uniform wraparound experience. So, well, and Alexander Wallace confirmed. Yes, he's in Mexico. All right. But which country in Mexico? Yeah, which of the three Mexico? So what did you get, Brian Weasler? What's your what are your pickups? Oh, just a couple little items here. Um, this one here is, uh, I believe, out on the archive though. But anyway, it's kind of a neat little book there. It's the uh, Color Computer Secrets Revealed. Ooh. Oh, there are the secrets no longer. <laughs> yes. So, but uh, yeah, it's just kind of a nice little book there. It gives some different examples and uh, some of the specs about the machine and how some of the things work. So, who, who made that one? I'm not familiar with that one. Uh, this one here was uh, Disk and Data. Here. I don't know if that comes through okay there or not, but um, this can data there. Oh, from so. BC too. Okay, another another yeah, Canadian. Uh, yep, it was a Canadian. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I thought I'd seen it out there, but uh, but maybe not. But this one would be an easy one to uh, to scan though. And then also too, I know we've talked about this, but I picked up a couple of these. Um, the uh, the whiz kids. Oh yeah. Oh Do you yeah. Any uh, whiz kids. Yeah, so I got a couple different. Uh, I think I got about five different uh, ones of them. I'm not sure how many there were or how many years that they did this. Yeah, because uh, they were inserts in DC Comics for a while. I think oh, were they? They brought their own ones. Yeah, I have a few of those. This was kind of a little three pack one that I picked up that someone had these three together. So, hmm. but they're kind of neat to kind of thumb through. 
uh, just kind of a more of the nostalgic side of it, but uh, haven't really sat down and read them all. But uh, it's just kind of interesting to, <laughs> to kind of see them. Yeah, so. some of them actually had cocos in them too, which was nice too. <laughs> so yeah, so that's all. Uh, just a, just a couple items there uh, that I that I grabbed there. So yeah. So I, I know you you probably said this before, Brian, but I've forgotten how you explained it. That picture in picture right now on that monitor, we've got two mm -hmm. screens. One of them is composite. What's the other one? Uh, the other one is uh, uh, I didn't happen to have an HDMI cable, so it's going through the switcheroo off the RGB. Okay. And then I just have a I have a HDMI to VGA adapter right now. Uh, so, okay. So I just need to grab myself up a three dollar HDMI cable, and then I can go right off the off the little <laughs> box on the switcheroo. And uh, and then connect it in. But right now, yeah, the one side is uh, um, VGA, and the other one's uh, straight off the composite input. Okay. Off the off the cocoa. I just got a little Y splitter on it, so I can drive both of them. I think that monitor will also take the uh, VGA directly. I think it'll do 15 kilohertz. Oh, okay. So you get like a cocoa RGB to VGA adapter cable, and I think Cloud Nine has those. You don't need all that. Yeah, I think it will take it. Okay. I've got I've got one of those monitors, but I haven't um hooked up the VGA to it. It's on my okay. PC. And now oh, my OCD is showing because you got to reverse the artifact colors for Zaxxon. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The the ground. What model is that again? Blue. What model uh, monitor is that? Uh, it's the twenty four. Let me grab it here. I think it's a twenty forty eight. Make sure I get make sure I get the right one. I don't want to get the wrong information out here. Uh, grab it here. Just give me one second here. Uh, yeah, it's the Dell 2408. Sorry. All right, 24 inch, right? Yep, yeah, it's 2408. And there, and there is a couple other numbers that are after it. It's WFPB. Um, and I think that uh, the PB is the, the key thing because there are some models that I was looking at and they don't have all the inputs, nor do they have the picture in picture. Mm. So, um, and also too, there's versions that are 20 inch and also, uh, uh, yeah, there's a 20 inch version of it as well that's out there. That, that that's 2007, yeah. Yep. You yep. should tell so, people that's your 3D mod. Cause it looks like- Yes, yes. You can see a little different in the colors there too. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, one's a little more, uh, one's a little more red, red, and the other one's orange. Yeah, the one on the right looks like a little bit faded, like a little water washed. You know, mm -hmm. uh, doesn't quite look 3D. I'm trying it right now. It's it's close, but not. You have quite. to shift them a little bit. You have to shift one each one a little bit. One to the left. Oh, one. and you can cycle through, huh? Yep. That's pretty neat. Yeah, and it's got yeah, the so, sound bar that mounts underneath it too. Yep, I got the sound bar. This is the the composite on this side, and this is the uh, the VG or the uh, yeah the VGA. Oh, okay. yeah, I got the, yep, you got the little sound bar on the bottom of it, so yeah. you can see how it kind of compares. Here's the one that uh, that you've been talking about. Okay, uh, yeah. But then this one's more square, so right? It, it fits really nice. The three by four by three there, so it's kind of nice. Yeah. So. I gotta say that little desk right behind you is pretty nice little presentation there, Brian. You got two cocos side by side with multi packs. You got the silver multi pack setup, the white multi pack setup. Yeah. Nice shelves above it there. That's a cocoa cornucopia heaven right there brother yeah and he's got yep. like three game controllers i can well four if you count the one under the table got the wyco joystick on there and you it's the original that. silver handle version not the black plastic yeah. one he's got yeah. a deluxe yeah. he's got a wyco trackball so yeah yeah i got that yep. one and i also got all my other, period accurate the other stuff up there too i got my uh the different uh the the color mouse the deluxe color mouse uh and also the the joystick 
Yeah. Actually, all your colors are wrong because Canyon Climber is supposed to be on a red background because it's like, <laughs> and then your uh, Zaxxon yeah, is reversed. That's just an old TV that I got there that's kind of plugged <laughs> into that one. But yeah, that's, I, am, uh, I am looking at the uh, the VGA mods there. I've been uh, trying to decide which way I want to go with that. So, um, with the, the Coco VGA. So, did you guys notice there that uh, he uh, he posted there he uh, must have 3D printed a little box. So, if you uh. If you don't want to drill holes now in the back of your cocoa, you can um, you can just run that flat ribbon cable. Yeah, out yeah. And put it in a little box. Or I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, 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 it's on my wish list to get, and I'm glad that I've waited this long because it seems like there's a few updates to it. That little uh, mode switcher, external switch, is nice, and the fact that we might have the double speed mode worked out with the SAM and the DRAM and stuff like that. Um, so I think the Coco VGA is probably. I'm gonna, you know, I might hold off a little bit longer just to get the mega Coco VGA set up, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of graphic stuff going on right now, and even like Ed Snyder, he's been posting some stuff about the the Gimme. Yep, yep. Gimme X that he's working on. So, lots around, lots around around the corner. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I guess we got a couple more guests have showed up too. Uh, Rick Adams and Paul Shoemaker. So welcome to hey. both of you. Hello. And hi, Paul. He's apparently still getting his mic set up, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah, Paul Shoemaker's game. Uh, Paul, can you hear us? Yeah, can you guys hear me? Yeah, we hear yeah. you now. I mean, hey, Rick Adams here. Paul's here. Hey, you, hey, you okay. I just li I just finished listening to the latest Coco Crew podcast, and uh, Dungeon Crawl was mentioned. Yeah, Neil did a very nice review of that. I uh, very much appreciate appreciated it. Yes, Neil does a great job. Welcome. Welcome to the program, Paul. Welcome, Rick Adams. Thank you. And Rick, are you finally snow-free again, or you still got some snow? No, I still got some snow. <laughs> totally bone dry here and i'm further north than you so. right yep uh the, there were some storms and windstorms and stuff in texas that picked up a bunch of dirt brown texas dirt and when it snowed here uh there was a layer that was tinted brown oh wow took all the dirt that, that blew up into the air in texas came down here wow and so Everybody here was trying to figure out why is the snow brown? Uh, other than you know, no, we don't own any dogs, you know. So mm -hmm. you know, I the obvious reason is don't eat brown obvious. snow. I, yeah, I already right. knew about don't eat the yellow snow. Now we have to worry about don't eating the brown yeah. snow too. Yeah, you're starting on Texas soil. You're, you're yeah. sure that's Texas dust and just not you know effluence from our show? It's <laughs> <laughs> the smoke from the dumpster fire. Yeah. You know, I showed a, a picture. I showed a picture of the, the, our snow to uh, a friend of mine in Finland, and he says, "Oh, he says that's what we call that's what we call." And then he, he gave me like this long, complicated Finnish word, and he says, "What it means is rear winter." Rear winter, huh? Yes. I don't know which rear they're talking about there. There's, there's a number of possibilities. <laughs> I know, I know. That's what she said. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, if the dirt came from Texas, you could guess which rear it was. Yeah. <laughs> Texas steers and, well, never mind. Yes. <laughs> Pins expressed by... Uh... <laughs> Are not necessarily those. So, Rick, do you have any updates on, on your stuff? Or 
You've been busy no, dealing with shoveling snow and stuff these days. I've been, I've been dealing with shoveling snow, and also I have a, a job I'm doing for a friend of mine that owns a business. He's got like three very large flat screens in his store, and he wants to do a Raspberry Pi-driven uh, set of uh, slideshows and temperature and weather display for those and stuff like that. So I'm working on that. Okay. And Paul, um, how, how's the reaction been to your game so far um, now that Neil's reviewed? Have you made a lot of sales again since that uh, happened? Or You know, it, it, it didn't pick up any more sales. Uh, and I, I, I tapped out at 48, like maybe a month ago, which wow. was more than I thought. Yeah, it was uh, probably double at least what I, what I thought I would sell. But um, I hope maybe to have some renewed interest because I went and bought a whole bunch of new floppies. Or excellent, floppies. excellent. But he wanted yeah. to get the flop. I'll order one late in fall where once my finances are back to normal. So, oh, cool. No, hey, do me a favor. Just order one for Christmas, uh, for Curtis and, and bill me for it. I got you, Curtis. This one's on me. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was I going to ask you, Paul? Paul, Paul Schumacher, are you coming to Cocoa Fest? No, the, the, the one uh, May 4th and 5th? Yes, may the 4th be with you. Uh, I would love <laughs> to, but unfortunately, it's just not in the cards this time around. Maybe next time. Yeah, next year's so the big excuse, one because that's the 40th anniversary of the Coca One. So, oh, gotta do that. So, excuse, excuse my ignorance, but what is it that we're talking about that Paul has done? So, about um, about a month ago, I guess, maybe a month and a half ago, I uh, started selling a, a a game that's a mix of of basic and with some of some uh, assembly language subroutines called Dungeon Crawl, which is kind of a, a, a subtle reimagining of a game called Telengard, or what was also called D&D &D back in the day. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah, Mark, I think, was just holding up the... Uh, the on the floppy disk. disk. Case there, if you want to zoom the screen up on him. Printed manuals, yeah. floppy disks, the whole nine yards. Well, okay. I, that's it. I can't do anything with a floppy disk, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. You can also get a digital disk. You get right. the digital package, too, if you order it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll the cattail does not come with it, though. Yeah, yeah, it's not a <laughs> but those are actual graphic screenshots here, though, on the cover yeah. there. So I will have to hunt that down. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it comes on two floppies, or and so just you're doing an interesting model there, uh, Paul Shoemaker, and I think I think Tim uh, Paul Thayer did a similar thing too with uh, with Timberman. So there was different ways to purchase it. You could buy a physical copy and get the digital download. You could get just the digital version. So, you know, multiple purchase options and distribution options. And, you know, the the diehard collectors are going to want to have the tangible, like the printed manuals and the floppy right. disk. And that's me. I'm going to buy Whenever there's a physical option, I'm going to choose that for me. Um, not only because I want to collect it, but I want to support people who are making things for our machines. As Mark Overholzer just two thumbs up there too but yeah i'm always going to want to buy a cartridge i'm always going to want to buy a floppy or a book in the case of force of doom or whatever the case may be so uh, <laughs> uh what what were the what was the percentages of physical versus tangible or physical physical versus virtual it was actually about 50 50 okay which which i also found surprising i figured most folks would go for the digital download just because it was easy and quick and right right right, very right. Few people are actually using the floppies and i think nick what? did that with his pop star i mean he did floppy and he also had his you know cd dvd version type thing want the swag yeah, I, I figured people. I, I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised at how many people wanted the the, the swag for sure. And I even sold a couple um, on DVDs when folks asked me for a physical copy, but I was 
had run out of floppies. I had a mm. stack of DVDs, so I burned, I think, a couple of DVDs folks got as well. That's great. Yeah. Have you reposted to Facebook or wherever that, hey, more floppies will be available for those who were interested? You know, I didn't. I thought about that, but I, I was sort of thinking everybody who wanted one has probably no, got do one. do it again. No, there's, there's new people joining the Facebook group all the time, so you, there's potentially new customers there. So right. don't and, anything about I, it. There might be some who bought the uh, digital who would, would wanted a physical and it wasn't available, so you just Could never be. know. Could be. Yeah. yeah. I'll do that. I'll do that. One of the other things that I was uh, posting on Facebook, I don't know if you guys can see it, but the, the poster of the, the 3D breakout. The poster of the, of the 3D breakout. Yeah, bring it up closer where we can see it. That looked awesome. Let me see if I can grab it. Hang on one sec. Yeah, that did look awesome. Yeah, I think there was even an offer to make a T-shirt version of it for the fest by Carlos too. If I remember. Look at that. It's frame. That thing is really nice, man. Wow. Oh. Oh, that's nice. That is incredible. I didn't realize that was. I just sort of saw it and just glanced in passing on on Facebook. Yeah, that I'm looks like, really good, dude. Yeah, it's like yeah, the diagram. I've seen that before. I didn't realize it was like framed. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it 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 came out really really well. Like it's. I'm sure it's not coming through on the. No, it looked good. Yeah, oh, and no. your designers' names at I the totally bottom get it. is nice. I did. Yeah, it I did, and so I went into. Um, the uh, Boise's book, Boise and the other fellow who I can't remember. To Bill the Judas, Mil yeah, Boise, Pete, and Bill the Judas. That's right. And uh, just to kind of reread that one right there, just to kind of reread what the um, who had uh, uh, involvement in it. And I probably left some important people off, and I don't, I didn't intend to, but I thought it would be really cool to kind of do a version of this exploded view for the Coco that was sort of a riff on the the vintage. Um, patent posters. Yeah, yeah. You see from time to time, and so that's what is, I did. is uh is Nick Marota's name on there? Uh, no, no, that's well, a I, breakout I, ukulele yeah. poster. That's you a different left, one. Then you, you definitely left out an important person. Then, see, so. well, there you go. Oh, <laughs> that's a love. Hey, Paul, I know that uh, there were some people uh, showing some interest in a Coco Three, and you were trying to locate a good starting PDF type file to. Yeah work from have you had any luck with that at all no um so what i uh so i and the the scan on the coco 3 is is very um it's washed out um in the pdf that's that's uh that's uploaded onto the um into the archive it's also washed out in the coco one but i i have the the coco one guide and if you look at the at the exploded view in the actual guide itself hard to see maybe but it's also totally washed out. So um, what I did was checked three of the four um, different manuals. You know, there's two Coco Two service guys. Mm -hmm. There's the Coco One, the Coco Three. The only the, this one that I did was the only one that in even the printed stuff is uh, you know crisp and clear and not washed out. So what I'd have to do is literally draw over over the lines that are kind of washed out and. I have started doing that, but it's going to take. It's you're, when it's you say draw, you're not talking about by hand. You're going to do this on a computer, right? On the computer. Okay. Yeah. On the computer, but it's still there's an awful lot of lines in those. It's going to oh, take. I bet. It's, is it so washed out you can't even just adjust the contrast in like Photoshop or something to bring mm -hmm. it back out? They're like literally, it's just not there. The lines aren't it's there. It's almost like, like a, oh. a really bad grayscale, probably, right? I don't know. Yeah, and it, it could be that this was just 
you know, re, a reprint of a reprint of a reprint or something. I don't know, but I was surprised that the 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 um, the exploded view in this version of the Coco Two is also totally washed out. Um, well, it's actually not too bad. It's actually not too bad. This one would be easier because it's on one page, and some of the exploded views actually span two pages, like the one that mm. I did. Okay. But, but uh, you know, the the one that is nice and crisp and clear is the MC10. So I wow. thought maybe I'd yeah. There we go. <laughs> you don't you don't need a lot of paper to print that poster. <laughs> Make it a postcard. Yeah. You don't even have yeah. to kill a tree. Just give it a flesh wound. Yeah, you all have one. Remember that. <laughs> I know mean, too. For a machine that you scoff at. No. Got one right there. I actually don't have one. Okay. Well, a number of you do. And you, it doesn't run OS nine, so like I couldn't couldn't run it. Put it on a to toilet roll. <laughs> <laughs> on one probably printed on that little uh, CGP one fifteen. Yeah, and, and one perforated toilet roll. One perforated panel that of, is roll of toilet paper. Actually, a fantastic idea. <laughs> <laughs> so retro arcade game is asking: Are you going to recreate that in vector, something like Illustrator? To make it a vector graphic so you can resize it at will without losing detail oh no trace. oh no no no, no, no that's not that fancy was, that was that was strictly a copy paste exercise and that's a that's a, a about as much uh, effort as i'm really wanting to put in it to be honest okay cool 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 well mark b why don't you run uh, maybe some sponsors or commercial break or something then we can come back and continue the fun and frolicking here you want to do some news next after the break? Uh, yeah, if nobody has anything else to talk about, that's probably a good, good, uh, good All next right. Here we go. Hey, have you got your Coco 3 yet? Hi, this is Rick Adams, author of Temple of Rom and Shanghai, and you've tuned into Coco Talk nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. What's going on everybody? Original Gamer Stevie Stroh here and if you're a fan of vintage computing and retro gaming then you're going to love our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com There you will find custom designs by Instagram artist Joel M. Adams. You can get I'm a Coconut, Coco Talk and other cool video game images on a t-shirt, coffee mug or mouse pack. So if you love retro then head on over to the retro swag shop at 8bit256.com today. Tell them the Original Gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Radio Shack TRS-80 put the world of color computing into your home. Instant loading program packs turn any color TV into an exciting game arcade. And there's more. The color computer is an educational aid, a home management tool, and up-to-the-minute electronic information service. The programmable, expandable TRS-80 color computer from $399 only at Radio Shack, the biggest name in little computers. We now return you to Coco Talk. All right, I pushed the right buttons. And we're back. <laughs> so did anybody else have any other updates or anything they want to mention before we hit the, the little bit of news we have? I'm going to take the awkward silence as a no. Uh, Actually, uh, I actually did get a monitor. I got one of the 2007s in silver, but it doesn't have a stand. So it was Brian, I think, that had access to Dell stands. 
Ryan Weasler, is he still with us? He's muted and away from, he's AFK right now. So when he comes back, right. I, believe, I believe that was correct, though. Okay. Yeah, I was going to hit him up for a, a, a stand. So. And Mark, actually, I wanted to ask you um, uh, what's, what's happening with Rainbow Magazine. Any, any further progress? Or? Uh, a little bit. Uh, but uh, I just got a message yesterday from uh, uh, Ron. He's been struggling. He's been having some other issues come up. So I'm going to try uh, my hand at it. So it's been a while since I've used uh, PageMaker, but I think I'm going to try something called Scribus. Uh, I haven't heard of that one. Uh, it's open source, multi-platform. Okay. Anyway, so I'm going to try throwing stuff together. So take some of the burden off him. So we're kind of slowed down at the moment. That open okay. source will never catch on. Yep, I know. <laughs> so we've got about 40 pages kind of thrown together, but it needs a little bit of refinement. So there is something. It's just, you know, just look that. Okay. And have you done any research on the, the printed version yet versus electronic? Um, yeah, a little bit. Um, actually, um, I got uh, the one of the uh, – Chet Simpson had uh, – he'd actually worked in printing at one time in his life. And he gave me a couple leads on some places. There's one called Mixam, and they actually have a sample pack you can order so you can get what the paper looks like. It's really nice. So I have a little sample pack of paper. And uh, they don't really have anything glossy like, you know, the magazines of old. But they do have, if you ever seen Make Magazine, uh, that's kind of a kind of a textured surface stuff. They have some like that. So, yeah, it, it's the, the cost varies upon how big of pages they are, how many pages you have, and how many you run. So. Does it have much of a cost difference between color versus, say, black and no. white? No, nope. nope. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think they have any black and white options. It's all the same. So yeah, most digital presses these days are all color anyway. The high end ones. So yeah, they're running. Yeah, they're running on HP high end HP printers. So yeah, I think uh, for about forty pages, we're looking around like two fifty, two seventy U.S. dollars uh, per per issue. So that's Not for bad. That's Does for, that depend on how many copies you order? It gets cheaper yeah. the more you order, I presume. Yeah, that's about four hundred. Uh, which I think would be about what we might be able to, to, to actually print and sell. So <coughs> anyway. Uh, Brian so. Weasler has returned. If, if he can hear us, Brian, can you hear us? Yes, I can. You want to ask your question again, Marco? Oh, well, uh, I actually got a Dell 2007 monitor without a stand. <laughs> so, yes. Yep. So I understand you have access to like uh, surplus stands. <laughs> Okay, I'll, I'll right talk here. with yep, you. I got, you. I got you on my list. I just been out of town. Oh, okay. Ah, you no didn't problem. Last that you want one. Now I, I do have quite a few of these, but I also uh, have the one where it slides. Oh, so, so it's height okay. adjustable. So yep. I, I have a silver one. So. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Very Those good. things yep. are Those surprisingly heavy, aren't they, Mark? They are. <laughs> yes. Uh, yep. And so I got one that was adjustable. I was going to see if you were interested in that one. Then I was going to put yes. the rest of them out there for people to see if they'd like any of these. So. Thank and you. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna charge anything other than shipping. Know, see, what it might, see what it might cost for shipping because these yeah. are just gonna go hit the dumpster bin. So you know, that's awesome. So cool. Yep. Those, those Brian, you're not are... making it to the fest, are you? Yes, I am. Ah, yeah, you should bring yeah. some along there. See if you can yeah, sell them there. Oh, maybe. Yeah, good. I will you be stuff in the vehicle? I'm will a, you be I'm signing autographs, Brian? Yes, I will. I will personally sign each one. You'll sign it, Mark D. Overholzer, but other than that, you're signing them. So, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I'm just a I'm a short ten hour drive. So maybe That's not awesome. even maybe about maybe about eight and a half hours. And uh, yeah. matter of fact, last week with my travels, I was only two and a half hours away from where that's at. So neat, neat, yeah. neat. Hey, Ron, how's lunch going there? Good. Thumbs up on the uh, sandwich burger thing going on there. There's a guy in the background running a motor or something. You hear it? No? No. 
Nope. Uh, I, hear my, I hear my stomach grumbling now that I'm watching you eat that sandwich, though. So. <laughs> you have enough for the whole class. It's... Yeah. Yeah. Earlier in the chat, uh, Ken Riker's like, dude, you're getting a Dell stand. <laughs> <laughs> it's that, hey, David O'Connor has joined us from Australia. Nick's neighbor. Good day, David. Uh, I, uh, think, uh, I think I've got things working at last. I had computer problems again. Stupid laptop. It's good to see you, David. Uh, yeah, well, I think I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> you are. Hey, I enjoyed listening to you guys uh, talk about phase shifting in PAL and NTSC last week. So that was nice little discussions you guys had going on there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my, uh, that's my qualifications, actually, as, uh, as a TV repair tech. That was my first job. So. Yeah. I have no qualifications, so you're, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're one up on me. So. <laughs> yeah. I, I teach hair soldering classes. That's what my molecule is. Hair class, right? I've missed the first hour, I guess. That's... You, haven't missed, you haven't missed nothing. Nothing. <laughs> no, absolutely nothing. <laughs> oh, you know this show. Uh, <laughs> well, I think the, t the time is a bit more stabilized again now we're back to the original time and yeah, i think yeah. for the most part unless something major happens it'll it'll stay there Roger so. that. hey i'm gonna drop off the call guys i'll i'll just i'm gonna watch the show i gotta do a few more things around the house and get ready to do my other late afternoon plans yes have fun um, yeah but i want to thank all you guys uh, last week for for doing the show and for continuing the show today and and the show the show is the community yeah, live, yeah live streams ended on facebook yeah I'm just gonna say that too. Yeah, I lost internet apparently. Well, you're still on the call though. We're all still on. Well, we're all on Zoom. Well, Zoom is not dependent on you, right? So, so it it just reconnected back up. Must be Restream IO because we lost the Facebook or YouTube one also. Oh, it, it, uh, oh okay. I ended up with a red box down here. It glitched earlier, um, and I was gonna bring that up for review later, but uh, this time it just dropped off altogether for uh, a few seconds. I are you rebroadcasting? Because I don't see it on YouTube right now. Uh, yeah. It's not on YouTube or Facebook right now. Oh, Tim Franklin is saying Facebook is back. Yeah, so I guess you not on YouTube. It. it says live stream is offline. Why would that be? I don't know. My, uh, my button does say stop streaming, so it thinks it's still streaming. It's, it's, it's a dead stream. <laughs> it's not streaming to uh, It's not streaming to Facebook. But streaming to Facebook, I think it's not streaming to YouTube. I mean, it's not streaming to YouTube. Uh, do I need to stop and restart it? Yeah, I would stop the stream. Okay. You just told me Coco Talk is live a minute ago. Hmm. All right, restarting. Yeah, I got it offline too on YouTube, so we'll just restart. So I don't know if I lost internet or okay. what That's happened. Hold on, I don't know what's going on. Okay, yeah, I do see it live again. Okay. I think we're live again. Okay. We're live. Wow. With <laughs> a what me? With a with a minor disruption in service there. Um, Steve, so I'm not sure how much of that was was over the air before I was getting ready to say goodbye. But yeah, I'm gonna drop off, and I just wanted to thank you guys for last week and for today, and for everybody who's helping to um, keep the Tandy Flame alive here with this show. So thanks, guys, and. And enjoy the rest of your show. I'll try to troll you when I can. <laughs>
Thanks. Right. Thanks for the warning. Um, yeah. <laughs> Take care. Well, it was a, it was a brief, uh, a little brief uh, on and off, Steely. <laughs> it looks like yeah. we've crossed paths and then uncrossed paths. Yeah, we're back. <laughs> I got the modular working. The power supply is all up and running. There's some flashing lights behind me in the back there. On the up there and the over there and... <laughs> That's yeah, looks cool. like we're streaming back on everything now. You've got some confirmations in the chat, so. Okay. Uh, so do we still want to jump to news, or, or I guess David just kind of gave a little bit of an update on his, uh, what he's been up to since we've gone through updates and everybody else, so. Well, let's see, any, all, the, any... let's see all those bleaky lights back there. <laughs> mm. I haven't got it connected to the, to the Coco yet. I literally got that working about five minutes before we were due to go on air, and five minutes before my computer decided it wasn't going to connect to the internet. <laughs> and an hour's worth of frustrating trying to reset network connections and this and that and the other and you know the ip address between my phone and my laptop was wrong and oh it's just it's been a, a pain in the neck to be honest but yeah. it's working now <laughs> i see you got remy's uh, 3d maze uh, demo going there too on your google 3. yeah just something a little bit of animation in the background there so So if nobody else has any project updates, we can hit the news quick. There's not too much. I think a lot of people are saving stuff for the fest, but. Well, well, it's three weeks away, yeah. isn't it? Let's go to news do I, do with I, do Curtis I have, Boyle. Do I have an intro for that? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, Stevie usually just throws in one of my little guitar licky things there. If you have any of those, I don't know if you do. It won't play. I, I had one, but can't get it to play. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't have one of those. Ad lib. Yeah. News. Okay. <laughs> Good enough. That, that was horrible. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> like a well-oiled machine. Yeah. Awkward news today. Um. <laughs> So, like I said, there wasn't, there isn't a ton of news. I mean, there's a fair bit of discussion going on. It's not like the groups were, you know, quiet or anything. But um, as far as hardcore news, uh, I think a lot of people are kind of holding their, you know, cards to the chest here for the fest. Uh, but there was a few announcements that came out. Um, the first one I was going to do is uh, Mike Furman, who's been on the show before. I guess he was busy today. From I remember him telling me, but he's uh, got his new Coco Fest 2019 version of Pi Drivewire 0.5 release which is his Python implementation of DriveWire. I'll just move this over here so I'm kind of looking at the camera. Um, he's got a bunch, a list of a bunch of the things that have been added on. It's a, it's a much more fuller implementation of DriveWire 4 now. So it, uh, I know it also supports the MCX, MC protocol for the MC10, like we were discussing earlier. So it actually supports both platforms. But one big thing he's added, he's actually added a full manual, which you can actually see online. So, uh, it's got a complete list of you know everything that's supported from the standard DriveWire protocol and, and all these extra things. And he started to add some new things too that aren't even in the original DriveWire 4. So it's kind of taking on a life of its own. So he's had uh, postings in Discord and postings on Facebook about it. And he's got links to his, uh, I believe it's on GitHub, the, you can download the actual Pi DriveWire itself. And then you can also get the manual, which you can also view online. So for those people that have been sparing with DriveWire or sparing with Pi DriveWire, there's a lot of stuff to check out. Mm. You want to show anything that's on Facebook? Um, I, 
like it's, it's basically it's directories and stuff so i'm not sure there's too much per se to show yeah. no, <laughs> in that particular case it's not like a running demo or a video or anything like that no. it's just okay. some of the other stuff i will so i'll do a screen share once i get to some of that okay uh the second one i was going to mention is uh joel reese who's i believe an expat from the states who lives in europe now um he's as he pointed out on Facebook and on the Cocoa List serve, he says, I finally got my near fig forth for the color computer revived and runnable with the help of XOR in the community here. He originally put it together for college about 30 years ago and has been mothballed since the early 1990s. So it's his version of a fourth uh, compiler for the uh, Cocoa and the 6809. And he's also added in, um, in uh, some instructions on his um, OSDN page uh for how to install it and run it and then also he's he's created a manual for it as well so uh if you go on facebook uh, we'll put some of the links of this stuff uh, into the chat a little bit later here i'll uh, cross post it into the zoom chat and then you guys can post it into the main cross chat thing so everybody can get a copy of it so there's a couple a couple of new languages to work <clears> with basically the new pi drive wire and the new fourth and just waiting for this to come up Okay, now I'll start sharing my screen. All right, so I'll need to... Curtis, if you want to back up and show the UI for the Pi DriveWire, it's pretty cool. The web. I actually don't have it installed, so I can't. If you have it, if you want to take a shot at showing it, that'd be it's, great. No, I don't have it installed. It's it's just a link from... Um, I could try. Yeah, if you want to just screen share, then we can switch back to me after you're done. Uh, I think I've released the share so you can share. All right. Oh, there we are. You can see, uh, okay. I don't know what I'm doing, but it's better than the command line. <laughs> <laughs> Ease of use. <laughs> I don't know if you want to uh, walk me through what I'm doing here. Honestly, I haven't run PyDriveWire at all yet, so I've just been going on here, say, on this. I don't have DriveWire installed in mine, actually, because my Cocoa's so far apart and I haven't got the wireless stuff installed yet. But, uh, that looks nice. Yeah. And here's all the new features. Uh, Rob, can you, you get a bit closer to your mic, too? You're a little quiet. Sure, sure. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, so this new uh, web user interface and, I guess, uh, these other uh, features. But I was looking into, into doing something like a uh, web user interface, and Mikey's already uh, beaten to it. So hopefully it'll be a little bit more friendly to use. Yeah, it looks to be. And, I, and the fact that he keeps adding to it every year, and now it's almost on par with DriveWire 4, and now he's starting to add new features, it's, uh, it's looking very interesting. This might end up replacing the original DriveWire, because I don't think any development's going on the original much anymore. And there's a few little glitches that I've heard from some people. So this might be the, the future forward, plus I, because it's Python, I'm imagining it's also cross-platform, right? I would hope so. And then it's MC10 support's nice too. So you have just have one server that actually handles both systems if you have them hooked up. Assuming you have the MCX128 interface for the, or the hardware add-on for the MC10. Anything else on the there you wanted to show, Rob? Or? Really? That, that was it. Do you want me to go to Facebook or anything? No, I can do the the next part of the news there. Like I said, there's not too much to show on there since one of us knows how to run it properly yet. So right. I'm hoping we'll get Mikey on the show again soon because he's, he's much better at demonstrating and also answering questions and stuff on that too for anybody that has any. 
So I know he did want us to mention the press release though, because it's being released for the fest that's upcoming here at the beginning of May. Excellent. All right, now I'll do a share if I can figure out from my bazillion windows which one I want. Okay, you guys can see that? So about a month or two ago, we had somebody else had brought up, there was there was two CPM hardware upgrades for the Coco, one and two, back in the Coco one days, actually. Um, this is the second one. Uh, the other one, they're both about $250 each, and, and part of that was the hardware, and part of that was a full license for a full CPM, I think 2.2 on both cases. Um, so this was the second one that somebody posted up about. Now, I've I've heard about it before because that was a question that Ben had. Has anybody heard of it? Yeah, I've heard of it. I've even seen the other one running at one of the fests. Um, this one was a little bit different in that it was a much smaller hardware piece, but it also used the Coco's VDG screen to do the display by default. And it basically gave you an, an 80 by 24 window and your VDG 32 by 16 screen would just show a little window within that you could slide around. And the difference between the, this and the other one, the other one actually had a built-in 6847 or 6845, sorry, a chip, which actually was an 80 column card that the, you know, the word pack used from PBJ and then later Radio Shack Solo through Express Order. And it mentions on the ad for this one that it actually does support that. So if you had one of those 80 column cards and you had that plugged in as well, then you would get the full 80 column, but by default just used a small display window 32 by 16 within an 80 column screen, which is kind of an odd, odd way to do it. So, I mean, for my money, it probably would have been worth it to get the other hardware add-on because it actually had that chip built into it. So you got the 80 column for free basically. But uh, it, was, it was just kind of, so I think it's surprising to a lot of the people that kind of got the Coco a bit later that we actually, that CPM was popular enough in the early 80s that there was two hardware upgrades for the Coco one to add CPM with his full Z80 processor and, you know, the full set of utilities and stuff for CPM as, as an upgrade for a Coco one and two. So and it, it says it's compatible with the TRS-80 Model 1? Yep. Uh, the CPM for the TRS-80 Model 1, not TRS-DOS. You know, it kind of takes off of what Tini did on the uh, Model 2 16 where he, the Z80 was like the base machine, and you added the yep. uh, uh, all the 68,000 uh, cards to be able to run the Unix. Yeah, their and version of Xenix, I think they called it, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Xenix. But you could run the standard DOS using the, the Z80, and then if you're running Xenix, the Z80 became a coprocessor for I.O. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it did. So it's almost kind of a takeoff of the same same things, 6809 versus 68,000, you know? <laughs> and the Coco had one actually advertised too, um, Micro RGS, which is another Canadian company, I think out of Quebec, if I remember correctly, had a 68,008 upgrade card that they were offering. I don't know if it ever got sold, though. I kind of heard rumors that they kind of folded before that happened. But, And then uh, Chris Burke of Burke & Burke fame was actually doing the rocket board in the early 90s as a 68,000 upgrade for the Coco, but he didn't get enough orders to cover the hardware manufacturing costs. Now, in the modern time with all the CPLDs and FPGAs and everything else these days, you probably could do something like that, you know, for uh, an affordable cost, but at the time it was just too much. I think he needed a minimum of 300 orders to make it a go for manufacturing the hardware, and I think he only got like 150 or 200. He didn't quite make it, so it never got released. But apparently he had some drivers done, and it would run OSK and everything else too. Oh, cool. Okay, next step. This is a, a post that Boise Pete put up. Um, he's doing the Rainbow Magazine Preservation Project. Um, and he's got a GoFundMe account, which last time I checked has got 500 of its uh, $600 goal already met. 
And basically the idea here is to get all of the rain, the complete run of rainbow from the very start to the very finish, put into uh, professionally made books and stuff and then donating it to a library, which I think is in Louisiana, which is I think in his, in his backyard type thing. And then they want to expand this later on to include other retro magazines and books from the, the, the old 8-bit computer era. So uh, basically this is to cover getting everything made professionally. If you click on the uh, GoFundMe link, he's got some details there. Might as well see where they're at. 510 of 600 now. So this project, this basically just cover what it is. This project seeks to preserve the full collection of magazines by having them professionally bound in library quality books. The collection will then be donated to the Evangeline Parish Library in, I don't know if I pronounced this correctly, uh, Bill Platt, Louisiana for Posterity. And the library's also agreed to create a collection of books, works for the Kelly computer and other retro computers. So as I mentioned before, this will expand and provide the shelf space for these works. So then people can just go take a look at them all. And, you know, different than being uh, a digitized version like we've got on the color computer archive, this would actually be the physical copies as they were done originally. So a nice place to go find them all. So that's a, that's a cool project. Yeah. So he's needing donations of magazines to fill out the missing ones? I think he's got most of the magazines, at least for Rainbow. But when he starts going to the other magazines, like if he starts doing Hot Cocoa, Color Computer Magazine, Color Computer News, and some of the others, and then the other 8-bit micros at the time, I'm sure he will need some of that. This At this point, they're trying to get enough money to get the the binding and stuff, everything done to get it ready for the library as a professionally bound book or books. Sure. Are they interested in uh, adding the new Rainbow magazine <laughs> to the collection in there? Uh, he hasn't mentioned anything about that. I know at this point it's it's meant to preserve stuff that was done in the past before you know gets destroyed or, or lost or whatever over the years, and and to have the original pages there as opposed to you know just printing out digitized copies that might have some glitches, etc. But yeah, maybe ask Boise if he if he wants to continue that on. Obviously, we can donate that once. Well, they'll get a pristine copy at this point. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely. And then here's here's one that's of great interest to me personally. Um, this is Ed Snyder's uh, update in the Gimme X. He's got a new revision of the board for internal testing, uh, which has some modifications from the previous one. Uh, the main additions this time, it had VGA support already, but now he's added an NTSC encoder uh, and analog circuitry. So it supports S-Video and Composite as well. I also uh, added support for the 512K memory upgrades, such as the Boomerang 2 meg board. I have to ask him about that. Does that mean he's got the DAT part built into the Gimme somewhere to handle the extra MMU blocks natively now and you don't need the DAT board at all? Or if he just meant, because he mentions a little bit later, he includes a low profile PLCC design. And he had been talking, I believe, with Richard that the two boards wouldn't quite fit in the case properly. So I don't know if he just means he's redesigned the board so that it will fit or if he's actually incorporated the MMU hardware onto the Gimme X, you don't need that extra data port at all. So if um, I know Ron had invited Ed to come onto the show today, even in chat, and if he does show up, maybe we can get a, a firm answer on that. But uh, it's definitely going forward. He also, uh, like one other problem he had is that the uh, the socket where the Gimme is, he's got this little adapter that goes into it, so it plugs into the existing Gimme socket. And the one he had before was a little tall, so it was getting near the top of the case. So you had pretty well run it with the case off to get it comfortably in there. So that you had to take the top cover off the cocoa. Um, I think by the sounds of it here, he's got it short enough now that it should fit with the case intact where you can put the cave, the, the cover back on. So it should be much more that, presentable visually. 
That's a pretty exciting update. This I think everybody's pretty excited about this. Gimme X. That's um... yeah. I mean, just even having you know the composite, the S video, and the VJ out, which you know lets you use a lot more modern modern stuff there. But the fact that the thing is uh, being programmed by Gary Becker, and he's already done this already on his Coco FPGA project, which has extra graphics modes and extra text modes. There's like an 80 by 60 mode. He's added some extra color palettes and stuff like that beyond the Coco's. And that stuff can all be incorporated in here too. It could be like the f the biggest major hardware upgrade on a Coco three since its inception, really. Especially if the MMU is built in, because that basically covers the two meg upgrades. That cover this will cover you know palettes of two fifty six five twelve colors, uh, higher res text modes, higher res graphics modes. I mean, this this can add a whole bunch of stuff. And uh, from what I understand, there's room for other stuff like adding you know limited blitting stuff for doing. Uh, you know, screen scrolls and, and memory moves and maybe even sprites and stuff in the future too. So this has a lot of potential in the future. And they are making it flash upgradable in the field, which means if you buy one when it's first released and not all that stuff's ready, you can actually just flash upgrade just like you do a Coco SDC in the field. You don't have to send it back in per se. Awesome. So that that's there's a lot of exciting stuff here. That's I'm just, you know, I, re I really want to see this. <laughs> Yeah, but two meg update that was pretty exciting too. Hearing about that, that was the yeah. I mean, we've had two meg upgrades for literally twenty some odd years because Disto did one way back in the day. But it was it ran hot and it was you had a lot of soldering to do on the motherboard to do it. And and, and Richard and and Jim have no, made I mean, the upgrades a lot easier. Yeah, I mean specifically the Gimme X is now supporting the two meg the boomerang. That was, yeah. Uh, I know he'd mentioned before, like they could work in conjunction with each other on the previous version of the Gimme export. So that wasn't an issue. You could run two meg with it. It just that it physically didn't fit inside the computer properly. They, you know, the two boards would hit each other. Ah, uh, okay. Right, so right. what I got to find out from Ed is that is he just solved that problem where the two can you know coexist in the case properly, or has he actually added some of the DAT hardware onto it so that now the two meg upgrade is just the memory board, so it's cheaper for people that have the Gimme X. So I, I got to find out about that and I don't see I think it. I think it does support the the DAT feature because Richard was mentioning that last night or we chatting on Discord. Oh, did he? Okay, so he's been in yeah, contact. He's, with him. he's been collaborating with him, yeah, so. Oh, cool. Well, that if, if that's true, that definitely will help because that means the boomerang actually gets cheaper for people that have the Gimme X. And it looks like he's got a so, couple of connectors here where you plug the uh, boomerang into. Like either the three, would, three would, up on top. That would or, make sense. Uh, so the boomerang gets plugged directly into the Gimme X board instead of into the Coco the 3 board, yeah? Board, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that would be a guess, yeah. Okay. That would be cool. Uh, except that says S-Video up there, the three on the top. Yeah, and then yeah. you've got so the VGA out on the right. So, so the DAT function, was that, is it, does that just enable you to address the two meg memory, does it? or is, is Yeah, it adds two extra bits to the MMU because the MMU registers in the original Gimme are only six bits. And with eight okay. times six okay. bits, that's five twelve k. And then the disto board and and all the other memory upgrades that go beyond five twelve k add in the extra bits, so you can fill all eight bits, which gives you two meg. But the disto one, and I can't remember if Richard's board does this or not, but they were write only, so you could write to it. But if you tried to read it back, you would get only the lower six bits, so you'd actually get the wrong ones if you had something mapped. And that's the reason that some of the you know the Sierra games broke on the one and two meg upgrade boards because they cheated and actually read the gimme back directly to see what do I have mapped in right now. And if you were on a you know a two meg machine and your video memory happened to be up in the you know the one point five meg area or something, <coughs> it would return it as if it was only in the lower five twelve. So of course it's mapping in completely wrong memory and writing to the wrong part, and that's why they would crash. They've been mm. since patched, but 
So I don't know. I don't I, like. I don't know the extent of this, and I wish I was in here to kind of clarify things there. But he might make it to three to n, right? So that would even solve the compatibility problem with the original versions, and you could you know rewrite the OS a little bit to be a little bit faster because it doesn't have to keep its own separate copy of what's really mapped in where type thing. So hopefully before the end of the show, it'll pop in and we can get some you know clarification on that. <coughs> Excuse me. And this is uh, something Steve had posted just after last week's show, well, after he viewed it anyway. This is our big discussion on PAL versus NTSC. He found a nice little uh, video that kind of summarized this up. And once again, I'll, I'll, rather than playing the whole thing, I'll, I'll post this into the chat so that people can view it at their leisure. But it was a, a nice technical explanation of the differences between PAL versus NTSC and, you know, why the standards did each thing. And, you know, part of it has to do with like, when they were created and you know, PAL took some time to wait for the technology to catch up a little bit so they didn't have to fuss with phasing and everything else. So it was mm. quite an interesting little video. And we kind of discussed it, I think, in quite good detail last week. So I don't want to replay the whole video here. I have to, have to watch that. I haven't seen that one yet. But NTSC, everybody knows it stands for never the same color. <laughs> yeah, they even mentioned that at the beginning of the video. <laughs> oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> <laughs> And these uh, last two links here, um, uh, we actually have in the chat, uh, the guest, uh, one of our guests here is actually the person that made this video. And it's, uh, it's, it's, he's got a website and he's also got his YouTube page and it's Retro Arcade Gaming. So I will just show you the couple things. Like basically what he's been doing, he's been doing a lot of retro videos of, of various, you know, official arcade games and then the ports, licensed ports to all the various 8-bit and 16-bit platforms at the time. And lately, he's been starting to expand the coverage a bit. So now he's including clones, because a lot of the machines had clones of some of these arcade games that were as good or better than the actual official arcade ports, or they didn't have an officially licensed port. And we all know how cheap Tandy was on doing officially licensed port, <laughs> especially in the Coca 1 and 2 days. I think we had four. We had five, maybe. We had Frogger from the Cornsoft group. We had Zaxxon, Puyan, and Moon Shuttle from Datasoft. And we had Poltergeist um, from the movie. And that was it, I think, up until the Coco 3 was released. Yeah. I remember it was being official licensed ports. For some reason, when the Coco 3 came out, Tandy got a little bit looser with the pocketbook. And then we got licenses of like Rampage and Predator and Arkanoid and Tetris and okay. et cetera, et cetera. And some of those even in included fat binary cartridges. We actually like, you know, Arkanoid and Tetris. If you buy the cartridge, it's got both the Coco 1, 2 version and the Coco 3 version on the same cartridge. Depending on which Coco you plug it into, you get completely different graphics. So. The, those are some things I hope to cover in, in some of his future stuff. Um, but basically, he's um, been starting to cover the clones. So he just recently, on the last two, which is for Joust and for Popeye, he covered Sailor Man on the Coco side for Popeye, which is the Tomics one, and he covered Buzzard Bait on Joust. I, I don't know if you knew about Lancer at the time or Pegasus and the Phantom Riders, which are also kind of clones on it. So Stevie and I have kind of you know reached out to him a little bit on his YouTube page, and I gave him some links to like my site, which has a couple pages specifically for doing licensed ports and clone ports. So um, I'll just show. Here's the Popeye one. I think this might be just at the transition. No, I jumped ahead of me again. He's got a, it nicely set up here too, so if you can actually see here, he's got the different. Uh, platforms and where they start in the video so you can just jump ahead so i'll just jump ahead to sailor man here now you notice here he's got the basic um artifacting like the very basic one it doesn't do any of the subtle colors it doesn't do the subtle whites where you can you know expand the resolution 
So I, I, he verified too, because I kind of asked him about it, that he's using VCC and VCC is notoriously bad at doing composite artifacting. So I suggested since he's got MAME set up for some of his other platforms that he can probably switch to MAME and he'll get much better quality video and much closer to what the real Coco 1 and 2 did back in the day. And he kind of gives a little mini review. He starts the, each of these videos with showing the original arcade one so you know what, what you're comparing it to. And then he goes through the various platforms with a bit of explanation of the platform, a bit of an explanation on the port. Some of the machines have more than one port. And then he kind of gives a mini review of it and then he kind of shows you some of the gameplay. And he also mentions you know, what's different from the arcade, like you know Donkey Kong on the Atari 2600 only has two levels, for example. So he mentioned that kind of stuff here. So. So that's his version of the Popeye one, and then Joust, and I'm assuming YouTube's gonna. Is that Pearl we heard in the background there, Ron? No, not this time. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta find the right uh, Coco part here. Pearl sleeping. Ah. He also has these nice little, uh, you know, overlays, and he has this, you know, selection thing on the side here. So you select the computer platform you're doing, and you select the name of the game and stuff too. So it's he's, he's got a pretty nice uh, presentation to it. And this one, he's got the artifacting colors backwards. And on, on VCC, I actually posted this in Discord last night because for the life of me, I'm pretty sure you can change the artifact mode in VCC. But for life of me, I can't remember the key sequence and the built-in help on the screen there doesn't tell you. Does anybody else remember how you flip the red and blue on VCC? There's a way. I just can't Yeah, I, I, I know there is too, but I couldn't remember. And I thought it was on the help screen, but it just tells you how to switch between RGB and composite. So. So anyway, they're, they're very interesting videos and it's it's part of an ongoing series. And like I said, he's just expanded it recently to include the Coco and expanded recently to include uh, clone ports versus actual license ports. So I'll be definitely following his page and, and seeing what other stuff he comes up with. Are and I'd Coco love to get him on the show at some time too, to discuss some of these reviews and once he gets, you know, his feet more wet into it type thing. And that'd be awesome. Talk about the technical limitations of the Coco versus some of the other machines he's comparing it with and on VCC, are the F1 and F2 on the regular keyboard mapped to the F1 and F2 for the Coco 3? I, you probably can probably I hold down the F key and reboot it, probably. Oh, do the hard reset with the, or the soft reset with holding yeah. on the F1. Yeah, it might work. I don't that have VCC would, running at the moment to try it, but yeah, that's, that's possible. That would make the most sense. It's a Pelican Computer 3 emulator. Yeah. Anyway, that was uh, that was the brief bit of news I had. Hey, Rob, yes, sir. I sent you a, a video on um, Messenger. For, uh, oh, okay, I am not on Facebook Messenger, but I will. Oh. It's a Tandy Radio Shack disk drive, or for uh, MC10. Has anybody ever seen that video? Which one? It's uh, Darren Atkinson's uh, MC10 disk drive uh, controller. And he shows it work. I, I've read about it, I think, on his blog or something. I've never seen a video for it. Yeah, there's a video. I sent the um, link to, uh, to Rob, Rob Inman. 
can you uh, repost it to the chat? Uh, how do I do that? Oh, and Mark, I'm, I'm done sharing so you can reset the screen step to normal. I like your background there, Rob. That's uh, <laughs> give me the give me X there. That's <laughs> yeah. Well, we were on the subject, so yeah, it looks pretty cool. That's <laughs> disappearing big. arms there. Your arms disappearing into the gimme. <laughs> the you're being you're being you're being assimilated. <laughs> the BGA is right there. <laughs> you want me to put it? You, either the YouTube chat or the Zoom chat. Oh, I just uh, was reading the chat here too. Uh, Retro Arcade Gaming you mentioned that uh, all right. you got Coco working with Mame in Mame last night, and the colors are much better, as as we all know from running it ourselves. And he's mentioned Dig Dug is up next, and he's going to include Pump Man by Dave Dies. So there'll be another video coming soon. So thank you very much, Retro Arcade Arcade Gaming. I wish I actually knew your real name so I could mention you by name on the on the show too. So feel free to put that in chat if you want. Uh, you see that? I do. Okay. I do. Uh, someone, I think I have to grab the ball from somebody to be able to share it. Uh, okay. Hang on. Jason's joined us. He has a bit of a blues brother look to him today. <laughs> okay, Ron. Yeah. He's on a mission oh. from God. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Can you see this? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what do we got here? My zoom is going all weird. Crazy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so, does that plug into the expansion port in the back? I think so. And is it mutually exclusive to having RAM upgrades, or do you, or does it have a kind of a piggyback thing like the Sinclair had? I don't know much more about it than what we're looking at. Oh, okay. Wonder why he didn't uh, make it an SD reader like uh, the Coco SDC. I think this was done a lot earlier, if I know, if I remember. Yeah, 2014. Correctly. It's about the same uh, time, isn't it? 2014. Yeah, it was 14 or 15 is when he did yeah. the SDC. Oh, 2011. It says there. Oh, okay. Yeah, interesting, huh? <laughs> Never knew. I, I remember reading about it way back when, but I, I hadn't heard anything about it in quite a while. So. Yeah. Hmm. But several years before the SDC, so that kind of explains that, I think. Oh. I wonder if Jim Jerry uh, would know about that. <laughs> Well, Jim Jerry, I think, has the MCX-128, though. He's been trying to keep his most of his ports to be specific to just the 20K upgrade. Yeah. The official. yeah. In the uh, Zoom chat, I had uh, posted something on eBay that I've seen a couple times before, and I, I find it kind of interesting. It's kind of some sort of a network interface. I don't know if anybody's ever seen that before and how it works. Which which one? Um, it's the one just before Ron's post there in the Zoom chat. 
I believe it's for like the model ones for classroom use. They could send uh, one program could be sent to multiple computers simultaneously. Okay. Oh, the network two. Actually, that worked on the Coco two. That basically was like a cassette duplication. Oh, okay. It took the signal. You could load fifteen machines at once. That worked on the model one, three, and the Coco. It was meant for classrooms to share. Like you'd have one cassette loading some educational software, and you'd set it to go, and then all of the fifteen other Cocos that were linked up to it would all load it simultaneously off the same load. Oh, and that's why it has the baud rate selection switch too, because the five hundred baud is for the model one and three, and the fifteen hundred baud was for the Coco. Ah, nice. It's not really networking. It's it's like a cassette duplication array thing. <laughs> Distribution system. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've just seen it a couple of times. I thought it was kind of interesting. Yeah, I didn't see it too, uh, too often used, I think, because by the time they came out with that and they had some decent educational software on cassette for the Coco, the disk drives were already starting to become popular. So I got one of those. It was a niche product. Yeah. I saw it more often used with the Model 1 and 3s than I did with the Coco, but it did support both. Yeah, which means I guess somewhere there's going to be some 20-foot cassette cables. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's all I had for news, so unless anybody else has anything else there, I am going to go through and uh, try to get all my links gathered up here, and I'll throw them into um, the Zoom chat, and then if somebody wants to cut and paste those who has access to the cross-chat thing for, you know, so it goes to YouTube and Facebook and everything else, too, then I'll, you guys can put Yeah, I can do that. Did uh, any of you guys run across a video about a guy that worked for Radio Shack, and somebody saw him uh, give a talk? about Tandy and Radio Shack and how they were separate. And um, the guy did like, um, uh, I guess it's a, a bootleg video with his camera and he wound up getting most of it, but the camera would stop and he apologized at the end saying he couldn't get the rest of the show. But um, did you ever see that? Uh, it's a guy that uh, he referred to the, uh, you know, to the Model 1 is a Trash 80. And, um, you know, he used to work at a Radio Shack. And I, I forget the guy's name or whatever, but uh, it's pretty interesting. For a little while, he puts up the color computer um, on the screen along with uh, some of the other computers talking about how they marketed the machine. And What uh, didn't? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's much more accurate. <laughs> well, they, they talked about, you know, Bill Bixby and some of the uh, other. Um, uh, who was the guy with uh, chops on his face? Isaac Asimov? Uh, yeah, uh, Isaac. He he didn't even uh, use a computer at all. He, he did everything on his uh, typewriter. And they tried, they spent like three hours with the guy trying to get him to use a processor on a computer. And he wouldn't do it. <laughs> but I guess later, didn't he make, um, he did something on the Model 100 and sent uh, his book in through uh, the inter you know, through uh, electronic to the publisher. That's what I heard. I don't know if it's true or not, but. Yeah, I think anyway. they started insisting on that kind of stuff because it was a lot easier for them to do corrections. Yeah. But there are a few of the old old science fiction authors, like I know uh, Jerry Parnell got into computers like right off the bat. I mean, we wrote a column for Byte. Oh, yeah, for years. For years. But uh, Larry Niven, who he collaborated with on a lot of his books there, was one of those guys that for the longest time wouldn't get off a typewriter. <laughs> 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 I 
So keep an eye out for this uh, video. It's um, a guy that worked at Tandy. He even mentioned the uh, buildings. He showed uh, there was a Tandy building and then a Radio Shack building. And in between was uh, the roller skating rink. And they talked about the um, trolley cars. So it was kind of interesting. I, co I couldn't find the link. I don't even know how I found it. It's just like in Coco Forever. Yeah. Yeah, he showed, he didn't show a video of it, but he did show the car. And he talked about that they, they ran in tandem and they went forward and backward. <laughs> and and uh, he was kind of perplexed on why they had an ice rink. Because <laughs> they could. I guess. Weird. Well, are we uh, ready for the next commercial break? I think so. Get it. All right. Make sure I get the right one. Hello, I'm David Ladd. Thank you for watching Coco Talk, the world's leading live Coco Talk show. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's me. It's Original Gamer Stevie Stroh. You know, gameplay. To get your copy of a Gameplay Goodness gameplay. Color Computer Gaming DVD today, gameplay. head on over to 8bit256.com. There you will find several DVDs featuring Color Computer Gameplay videos by the original gamer Stevie Stroh. So to get your very own copy of a Gameplay Goodness Color Computer Gaming DVD, head on over to the Retro Swag Shop at 8bit256.com and tell them the original gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. It's a Radio Shack Merry Christmas. This year, I needed to give a real family pleaser. Honey, please help me with this budget. How about a new game, Dad? Please. And I found it. Radio Shack's Color Computer 2. On sale for just $99.95. It entertains, educates, manages. It's expandable and affordable. Now that really pleases me. The Color Computer 2. Sale price for Christmas. Only at Radio Shack. We now return you to Coco Talk. All right. You guys still there? <laughs> yep. Yeah, I think so. I'm busy working on links here, so I was oh. hoping you guys would talk. <laughs> yeah, get Curtis, there is some chatter between Bill Pierce and Lee Perkins on getting drive, drive, drive wire running in OS9. I don't know if you saw that. I think I did briefly, and I was kind of passing it off to Bill, because like I said, I'm, I haven't done too much work with DriveWire because I don't have it installed here. I mean, I understand the concept, obviously. And I know Bill had been answering some of the questions because you need certain drivers and descriptors loaded in, and there's a chunk that does the serial stuff and a chunk that does the drive stuff. And I know we kind of got him uh, learning how to use QuickGen so you can quickly edit your OS9 boot files and add in modules or delete modules and move around, so... Well, I think I the know. line that I noticed was the more I learn about Nitrous OS 9 ease of use, the more I discover I can do. Well, of course. That's <laughs> because the marketing's good. No, it's just once you get used to it, it's an awesome operating system. I'm, I'm sorry, Nick. <laughs> Marantes, of course. <laughs> I love the curmudgeon. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it was one of the reasons that, I, I mean, the, the what has been more popular in the Cocoa world has seesawed over the years. Like in the 80s, obviously, uh, rigor RS-DOS was by far the most common. In the 90s, basically, OS 9 was the one where all the new stuff was happening for the most part. And now it's kind of switched back again. And now it's kind of 
hopefully the EOU will help balance it back out. I mean, hopefully eventually it's just, it's equal. They're all good. And you use them for the tasks they're best suited towards. And um, I, I'm you, hoping that's what ease of use will help accomplish. Go ahead. Well, you and I know that's not really true. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to be nice to Nick, come on. <laughs> right tool for the job. Yeah. Well, Nick, Nick, I mean, Nick and I have been going back and forth when he's been fiddling with, you know, certain parts of uh, his development tools for Popstar. And I, I've, I've mentioned more than a few times, you know, if we wrote this in Basic 9, you would have been done yesterday. <laughs> so, you get that? Now, I've, I've been one who has never had a problem doing cross-development. Again, a lot of people do cross-development these days, you know, where they do stuff on a PC or Mac to do it on the Cocoa, and they do the assembling or C compiling, whatever there. But back in the day, we used to do stuff where we wrote tools that would make stuff for an RS-DOS program under OS9 just because it was that much easier to do with the tools that were already there. So I had no problem going back and forth cross-platform there because it's, it's all Cocoa, so I wasn't feeling like I was cheating per se. So OS nine is that? I, I've never actually used it. I've I've got all the the, the stuff on my Cocoa SDCs, obviously, but I, I still get to play around with it. Is it a like a like like Windows is to DOS? Like Windows is, yes. runs on or used used to run on top of DOS. So no, this does not run like, on top of Disk Basic. It uses Disk Basic to in load the Bootstrap, and then after that, it shuts all the Basic off and has its own complete OS with APIs and everything else. Okay, so it's and programming language-wise, it's its own programming language as well. Oh, there's um, lots of them. Um, there's well, there's a shell scripting language that's built in. There's uh, Basic Nine. There's several different assemblers. There's C compilers. There's Fourth compilers. Pascal, Fortran, Cobol, Fourth. Uh, best thing is it's multitasking, multi-threaded. Yeah, some windowing. I mean, a bit more primitive than modern day stuff, but you can do some windowing stuff too with pull-down menus and stuff where you don't have to write all the menu handling stuff yourself. You just set them up and let the OS do it. It's got drivers for various things, so you don't have to worry about yeah. targeting. It's, it's, it, yeah, it's got hardware-extracted drivers, which was a big plus in the 90s, because that's when all the new mm -hmm. hardware, like you know, ID interfaces and all this stuff was starting to come out. And it was very easy to write drivers for that because it's built to be expandable. It's built to be added on. Whereas RS-DOS, you have to do all these hacks to get you know, HDB DOS to work or ADOS to work. And you have some limitations as to how much you can add before you start breaking things. And it's good, like its native file system is, is built to handle 128 meg drives easily and up to four gig drives with you know multi-sector uh, cluster partitioning and stuff. And yeah, it's got a lot of advanced features, especially considering OS 9 was originally written in 1980. And then the first Cocoa yeah, version okay. was written in 83 okay. and then the Cocoa 3 version in 85, 86. And automatically handles up to two megabytes of RAM. Yep. Yeah, okay. And, and there's a GUI, like if you get the ease of use version, there's the GUI is built into it too. So it's, it's already pre-set up with a lot of stuff for you to fiddle with so if you want to just kind of get into it. So basically any of the languages that you're, you're programming, like Fortran or, or, or um, Basic or whatever, it, it compile the, that operating system itself, the OS 9 operating system has the compilers and everything built in, does it, I guess? Or? Well, originally they were all third, or not third party, but originally they were all for sale separately. Uh, I think on OSN level okay. one, you got the assembler came free. And then on OSN level two, I think basic nine came free, if I remember. And then everything else you had to pay for. But nowadays, okay. we're kind of installing. Now, we don't have some of those languages on the EOU because I haven't found copies of them again yet, like Fortran and Cobol, because back in the day, they were three to $500 each. They're meant for businesses mm -hmm. or, you know, because OS9 was also on other 6809 based systems like gimmicks and stuff that were thousands of dollars with more advanced hardware. And those languages were more for that platform because it was meant to run a business or an office or something like that. 
but they are available. Um, and there's like Logo is another one. There's a bunch of them. We've got uh, a couple of assemblers, the C compiler and um, Basic 09, I think, are all on the ease of use right now, if you wanted to fiddle with those. And the ease of use is not on the SDC image. So you'd have to manually download that and add it to your SD card. Yeah, it's on my website and it's also on the Color Computer Archive. They've got you know the latest beta three and beta four will be the one that's getting released for the fest, which has some more additional stuff added on. I have no problem with people putting on the SDC image if people want to put it in the base one. We have it set up as a 128 meg hard drive image. And on the SDC, you just type DOS on that image and it kicks up. Or you can even set it to auto ex execute. Like if you decide you want to live in OS9, like, like I usually do, you can actually have it. So as soon as you turn your cocoa on, it immediately fires up and goes straight into it. And it's so good. It will have support for real time clocks too. So. <laughs> and you can run a program called RS, uh, what was it, RDOS or something, the Burke and Burke program. So you can run a basic, like a Radio Shack basic. In yeah, it's it's not 100% compatible. As long as it's a pure basic program, you're fine. But if you start doing a lot of peaks and pokes, expecting ROMs to have certain things in certain spots, that, that won't uh, change around. Yeah. Yep. yeah. But yep. for straight basic, yeah, it works pretty good. Though, once you get used to basic 09, it's such a more powerful version of basic, I wouldn't honestly go mm -hmm. back. And uh, OS 9 is still in commercial use today. Yeah. I mean, OS 9 got, eventually got ported to 68K. Uh, the 668,000 series, and then also got ported to the PowerPC and the Intel. And uh, we, we had Alan Battinger on here earlier who actually has the rights to what Microware got because Microware got sold off a couple of times. And uh, it's still an active project today for modern hardware. And there's a, he mm -hmm. actually gave an offer where you can download a, a, a version of it that you can actually play with at home on modern hardware. Community virtual machine. Yeah. I did ask in the 68K forum on um, Discord about where I could get a 68K copy, um, but nobody really answered me. So I don't want to, I'm hoping not to pay for it. But yeah, maybe. there was versions for the Mac, there was versions for the Amiga, and there was versions for the Atari ST. The Atari ST one, if I remember correctly, was done in North America because Kevin Darling contributed to that one. The Amiga one and the Mac ones, I think, were both done in Europe. The, the European OS 9 community is a lot bigger than it was here in North America. I want a copy for Amiga, but I don't think it was on the repository. Probably not. Uh, for for the Amiga re repository. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what the name of the company that did the Amiga version is. I know it was two different companies. One did the Mac and one did the Amiga. And I can't remember. It's pretty well unknown in the Amiga world. Yeah. Yeah, the Atari ST, I think, as far as the 68K platforms, besides the Coco 4s, quote unquote, of which we had you know, multiple ones with the TC70, the MM1, System 4, um, which all had OSK uh, that was sold with and bundled. Um, but I think the most popular one was the Atari ST port. Oh, yeah. The Atari ST wasn't multitasking to start with, so that was the only way you could get a multitasking one. The Amiga already had multitasking, so. The uh, OS9 does not come up on AmiNet. So, um, search continues. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure where to find it. I, I remember I saw it running back in the day, so. And the Mac version was done by Something Labs. That's all I remember off the top of my head because it was for the 68K Max. Yeah, good luck Googling the Mac version. 
you're going to get uh, Mac OS yeah, 9. Mac OS 9, yeah. Was, then, well, that yeah, was the big lawsuit yeah, between yeah. the two of them, too. So. Yeah, right. Like we're right. lost. <laughs> yep. I've still got my uh, Mac sitting, G4 sitting beside me there. It's got, uh, it's dual boot, Mac OS 9 and um, and 10 Tiger. Uh, it's yep. my old Pro Tools, Pro Tools system uh, from back in around 1999, 2000. I think I got that. It's a big screaming 400 megahertz single processor G4. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was the bee's knees in its day. It's a um, little slow by today's standards, but uh, still works. Still got the original hard drives in it. Still boots up. <laughs> but yeah, if you want to fiddle with uh, Nitrous Nine, like I said, it's it's available on, on my site. It's also available on the Color Computer Archive. It's the same copy. Um, if you need any help with it, just feel free to ask. We've got Nitrous Nine groups on Discord. There's a Nitrous Nine group on Facebook, which I believe Ron DeVoe set up for us. So thank you for that. And and Ron's been you know helping run it too as a user. Like we have you know the people that want to learn all these programming languages and stuff too. But we also want to make it user friendly for the user, where you don't have to be a, a Unix geek per se to, to to do it. And if you're familiar with Unix, I mean OS9 will feel pretty at home. It's it's got some differences, but it's closer to Unix than it is to DOS. John Linville said on YouTube that the OS9 68K for Amiga was done by Digby Tarvin, an Australian. Oh, okay. Oh, there you go. Way to go, Australia. And another call. one of our neighbors, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah you, next you guys door. better track him down and get a copy of that sucker. It's a... <laughs> <laughs> Probably just next door. Can you hear all my noise as well, just like you can, Nick? <laughs> yeah, just kick the koal out of the way and just go say hi and go grab it. So. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, there's not much software to run on, so it's a bit of a pointless exercise, really. Well, I'm not sure if that's true, though, because... Well, it depends. I mean, if you want like games and stuff, then obviously yes. Yeah, um, let's but, face it. That's what most but, people want. But but as far as like utilities and stuff like that, I mean, if it was written as a console terminal program, which a lot of the utilities like ARC and DARC and ZIP and stuff like that were, that would run on any 68K system. You could run on the Mac. It could run on the Amiga. It could run on the Atari ST because it only ran through because everything's abstracted like your apis for writing to the screen are all abstracted through the hardware so you're not talking to the hardware directly you wrote the program once and it would immediately work on all three of those platforms same as the stuff on the 6809 if you wrote it on the coco and you wrote it as a console app it would immediately run on a gimmicks or a smoke signal chieftain or any of these other platforms too you didn't have to recode it to get it to work because this guy has an 80 column card this guy's 132 column card the coco has 32 columns it just worked so how does uh, Basic 09 compare speed-wise to, to regular uh, Basic if you're... Uh, it's actually... Uh, it's a it lot faster. <laughs> but it's still... Uh, oh, it's well, a, okay. Like a code interpreter. It well, it's not. It's, it's partially compiled, partially... partially interpreted. Yeah, it's a pseudocode. P-code. Yeah. Yep. Okay. It doesn't reinterpret every line like regular Basic does. That's one big thing. It also has uh, different variable types, too. Like, basically, Basic, Color Basic has strings and real numbers and that's it. So all your math is done in real numbers. And basic nine adds the integer format. So if you have stuff that don't requires a 16 bit number, you, it runs much faster using native 6809 instructions. It also has oh. complex data types. You can set up a data type, almost like an object, not quite, but where you can Function mix a string and an array and, and some numbers and reels and everything else all together as one structure and then get and use it as one block. 
Okay, function, so function and what about like, you know, I suppose these are all questions I should really ask on the group, I suppose, rather than chewing up uh, a cocoa talk. But well, this <laughs> is things related, like, so it still applies. Yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, I'm just thinking of things like accessing hardware in, in um, direct access, like like some of the stuff I'll be doing with the modular here in the background is is um, I'll be using peaks and pokes a lot for uh, on, on regular basic. Peak and poke is supported in Base 9. As long as it's memory mapped I.O. hardware in the memory I.O. space, you can do that. I mean, the quote unquote legal way to do it would be to write a driver, then you just pass calls to the driver from your program, whatever language you decide to write it in. And, and there might already be a driver too. Yeah, well, I think for what he's doing, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm going to be working on a lot of uh, like custom DACs and ADCs and stuff uh, like that. Right. So yeah, so I'll be I'll be you know assigning basically memory addresses to it directly and then and then accessing them. With but there is like folks. MIDI drivers already, like MIDI drivers to talk to MIDI hardware cards with the serial port, and you just send it the data and it automatically sends it out the right baud rate and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, okay. But it's, it's built for hardware abstraction. So, I mean, as long as it's not super time intensive where you can go through the rigmarole of going through an OS to do all the calls. Like if you remember back in the old days when Windows 3 came out, not many arcade games were made for it because the machines were not fast enough. But you abstracted the hardware from the video and your sound cards, they ran slower, noticeably slower. So a lot of people just said screw it and wrote DOS games anyway because you want to talk to the hardware directly for speed. As the machines got faster, that became less of an issue. Now nobody writes directly to the hardware anymore. Everybody goes through the API calls. And at what mm -hmm. time would be more in the old version of that where you know the abstraction of the hardware does slow things down, but it does mean you can write a program once that will run on various hardware without you having to change anything in your own program. Yeah, okay. How, how speed intensive is your application gonna be? Like, is it critically timing intense or, yeah, or is it like many where you know, once every 60 of the seconds fine or what? Yeah, there's two different um, approaches I'm going to be experimenting with. Um, one approach is to have a hardware device, like a shift register type thing, to store values, um, and then have that clocked directly from the from the sequencer running in the background. So the sequencer will be doing the timing. Or the other option is to have the Coco actually doing uh, sending out the clock pulses, which will be um, very critical timing-wise. Um, that's the, the the method I'm I'm going to experiment with first. So the Coco will be sending DOS. out regular. Uh, sorry. Do it in our DOS direct uh, assembly. <laughs> you yeah, you well, can do that in yeah, OS nine yeah. too. Yeah. I mean, the the play command that I I did for OS nine, which actually plays WAV files and Amiga SVX files and all that kind of stuff, does the same thing. I shut. The hardware interrupt system off i basically suspend os9 after using os9 system calls to load the thing into ram because i actually will use the full two meg if you have it too so it's actually doing all that through regular calls onto the disk drive i don't have to write anything specific for that allocating the memory i don't have to write anything specific for that it just uses standard calls read and allocate ram and then at the end of that then i shut the interrupts off for os9 and basically just start pummeling the hardware back you know at whatever speed the app file yeah, yeah. The other uh, the other option was I was I was um, anything that was super critical timing wise. I was going to write an assembly and just call that from basic, load that into into memory somewhere, and just call it from basic when I need it. Um, yeah. But I was going to experiment with the whole thing in basic first and just see if I could. I, I want I'm <laughs> I'm giving myself a challenge here, especially on the Coco One, um, where I want to see if I can write something that's going to be um, timing critical in basic on a Coco One that will work reliably. Um, so I'm setting myself a, a deliberate challenge there to, to do yeah. 
to, to do something that the, the most um, that'll require the the tight you know the tightest code basically. So uh, yeah, it depends. Like it, it depends if you mean time and critical. Like it's it's firing at the exact same interval every time, but the intervals aren't that often. Or do you mean you have to hit it like ten thousand times a second? No, 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 no. It's 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 not very frequent, but it's got to be exact. Um, okay. Yeah, basically, the Coco will be producing um, timing pulses for um, for beats in music, basically. So it'd be one, you know, say sixty uh, fourth beats, basically one sixty fourth of a note. Um, so now picture hi hats. Like if if you're playing hi hats to a disco beat, like that sort of thing, and it's got to be super critical timing wise, otherwise it'll get sloppy. So, I guess this so kind of chord not... turned into a chord dump. We probably should have played the chord dump thing, eh? <laughs> <laughs> it's not too late. Ladies and gentlemen. We'll fix it in post. Yeah. There we, there we go. Good score dump. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you have an anticipated core dump. See your doctor. <laughs> no, it's it's a yeah, fun it's, it's a fun little loss to play with. It does have some limitations. Like if you want to do you know incredible hardware accesses for a top end game or something like like Nick does or Steve York does, then yeah, it's it's not for you. No, now, no, if you no. want to do a basic game, you can definitely do basic graphics games faster under Base 9 than you can do under RSDOS. So what, a, what about the Gimme X with the 5 megahertz acceleration? Well, that would help no matter whether you're running just basic or OS 9. Or but then 9. can you do, uh, well, that's true, I guess. So you'd still have an advantage in RSDOS. Yeah, I would speed up everything. Is he actually that, doing the 5 megahertz? I haven't heard that as I an official heard that statement. Not no. official. Uh, he asked if it could be done. I do know that Bill Noble has written some extensions for the Matchbox Coco, which is using the same um, core that Gary's using, which adds the extra text modes and extra graphics modes we were talking about earlier. So there's support in the graphics drivers for Nitrous 9 already to handle some of that extra text and stuff. And if, if the Gimme X does it the exact same way, you just have to enable that and then bang, you've got these extra modes already ready to go. Yeah, uh, uh, Ed Snyder was just confirming that the memory chips in the um, Boomerang could handle it, and it sounded like between Richard, Jim Brain, and and um, and Ed Snyder, they suspected that five megahertz at least. Yeah, that would that would be cool. I definitely wouldn't have a complaints running on five megahertz Coco. What was the uh, the maximum speed for the sixty eight oh nine was the sixty eight C oh nine wasn't that around three point five megahertz? That's so three oh nine. Yeah, the six eight oh nine technically stopped at two megahertz officially from Motorola. The um, yep. Hitachi one officially, depending on who you talk to, at Hitachi was either three or three and a half megahertz or four. Oh, okay. Okay. Somewhere. But most people that have done testing on it, even back in the 90s when we first found out about it, said it runs reliably ninety nine percent of the time at five megahertz. Oh, wow. Okay. That's just what they tested it up to, right? They only tested it up to two megahertz and anything above that, they don't guarantee. Well, three yeah. they did. Yep. Three they guaranteed. That was actually, actually, I've got the Hitachi catalog and three wasn't officially rated speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the 6809, they still be limited to around two megahertz or two, two, 
two and a half, three megahertz, maybe if you pushed it. Yeah, I I, I, the fastest I ever pushed to six eight oh nine with a upgrading the clock crystal on the Cocoa Three itself that I did, I think was about two and a quarter. I know Bruce Ice did, and a few others did it up to about two and a half, two and three quarters. Although they had to add fans at that point because that's the old CMOS chips, right? And the Hitachi's yep, yep. using NMOS, which is a lot cooler. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, my uh, Coco Three now has a, uh, a sixty-three oh nine in it. That's um, Ed, well, no, if you Ed, decide to run Nitrous Nine, definitely get the six three nine version of it then, because it runs a hell of a lot faster. Yeah. Okay. You can run both. I mean, the six three nine version will run in the six three nine. You can compare the speeds there, and I have done a lot of optimizations the last couple betas to try to get the six three nine a bit more up to speed compared to the six three nine. But there's a long ways to go, and I never will be able to match it, as Nick can attest. You know. Once you start writing some decent 609 code, the 609 just can't keep up. Yeah, yeah. Have you tried running a Sockmasters mod player? Or even the 6809 version? But there, there is a 6309 version as well. Uh, David? Uh, no, I haven't yet. No, I, no? I, played, I played around with his um, sampling um, utility the other day. I haven't recorded anything into the RAM yet, but I'm going to try that next. Oh, you need the mod player, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The mod player plays the old Amiga mod for voice with digitized samples for each of the voices with pitch bending and all kinds of stuff on it. And the six through nine version gives you enough extra CPU time that you can actually run it almost two kilohertz better sampling rate. Oh wow! Than the six through nine version can do. Well, that's a fair improvement. Yeah. Hmm. And that's without increasing the clock speed of the computer. Yeah, that's just changing it to native that's mode and using six three oh nine. Yep. Yep. Better code. Yeah. Okay. It took years to convince Nick of this, but he's finally on board. So that's good. <laughs> oh, wow. Huh. I mean, I understood Nick's reasoning for that. I mean, there wasn't enough of them out there for him to make it worthwhile, you know, if you're going to cut your market down to people at 6309s. Because back then, too, you had to basically do these upgrades yourselves. And this requires desoldering a 40 pin CPU and putting in a socket and putting in a new chip. And that's beyond the scope of a lot of people, including myself. So, but now that we have, you know, boys in tech and cloud nine and Jim brain that can all do these upgrades, you can send your cocoa in and get it upgraded and you don't have to worry about doing the actual hardware upgrade yourself. I think once we get more and more software to support it and people see what the speed differences are and some stuff you can do that you just could not do on the 6809 efficiently that I think we will see more and more people getting into it. And then that'll feed more and more software coming out for it as well. Yeah. Yeah. One of the best things I invested in recently, actually, I should have invested in one 30 years ago, but they were a lot more expensive back then, <laughs> um, was a proper um, vacuum desoldering. It's a proper station with a, a temperature controlled with a proper vacuum desoldering with multiple size tips and everything. And that makes the job of, re of removing 40 pin IC so much easier. It's, and it, you don't damage your circuit boards doing it. And it's, it's yeah. Without one yeah. of those, the job is I mean, in impossible. my case, even if you gave me all these fancy tools, I still couldn't do it. I just am all thumbs when it comes to that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> all thumbs or all hair, time. one of the two. I'm <laughs> Curtis realizes his limitations. Yes, <laughs> I'm very limited when it comes to anything of the two electronics. <laughs> Programming them, I'm not too bad at. I can, I can, you know, fend for myself there, but hardware wise, I can barely solder wires to make a serial cable. That's all right. We'll fix the machines, you program them. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. I use this quite often. Oh, yeah, it looks good. This is what I use for desoldering here. 
Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not it's not the fancy one with the vacuum though. But I mean, you heat it up, you get a little pinch of the ball, and it, it it'll draw the solder in. You just got to be. The, the big thing is to be careful not to heat up the circuit board, the traces. Yeah, because yeah, the they lift. Boards, the, yeah. the traces will lift off, and so you want to make sure you get all the solder off first. You want to um, use uh, good flux and yeah. Uh, yeah, desoldering wick or something to take off majority and like a yep. little solder sucker to do around yep. uh, through hole components. Yep, you know, get all that solder out of there and don't uh, don't pry too hard because you'll lift a trace. And so if you find one that's not quite right, go back and touch it up again. But it just takes it just takes the patience and stuff like that. And, uh, good, and if, good you flux is in a, if you are going to invest in a soldering iron, ideally one that has a temperature control so you can bring it down to the lowest point. So you're not putting a lot yep. of heat into it. And if you're going to replace anything, if you if it doesn't have a socket, you put a socket in first, and then it makes uh, makes things a lot easier too, because you're less likely to damage the socket than you would the uh, uh, the chip. There's the uh, you can see that there. That's the uh, 6809 removed from the board on my uh, Coco three there. And then uh, if I flick that way, that's a socket installed there on the board uh, and the 6309 installed in the socket. Now, now for so, people in the US who have NTSE Coco 3s, they'll wonder why the 6809 is facing the wrong way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's vertical. Uh, it's up and down on the uh, on an NTSE one. On a PAL one, it's horizontal like that. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. yeah, yeah, sideways. Yeah, yep. yeah it's, a, it's a PAL Coco 3, that one. So, and it's a 63 C09, so it should be the faster of the of the ones, courtesy of uh, Brendan Donaghy. Yeah, that's one yep. officially rated for three and a half megahertz and usually runs fine at four and five. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So that's what's in the in the uh, Coco 3 behind me there at the moment. The Coco 1 um, above, that's got the 6809 in it. Um, my other Coco 1, uh, which is on the floor, which needs another keyboard, that's got a 6309, and I've got a uh, NTSC Coco 1 which has got a 6809. So I've got a combination of, of different things there to experiment with. So let's have all bases covered in, the, in programming and experimenting with different things. So. Are you going to have a um, concert via Coco someday? Uh, as in with the music, with the, with the sequences running off it, you mean? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was actually hoping to have that ready for this week, but uh, but I do have the modular running, as you can see in the background now. So it's um, this week I'll be doing some experimenting, interfacing the uh, the Coco with the uh, with the modular, just with the hardware that I've got at the moment, um, and just experimenting with a bit of coding and see if I can get the uh, the Coco to control the step sequencer in the background there and do some old Tangerine Dream style Berlin school. Uh, um electronic music and have it running Yay. from the coco nice. yeah. <laughs> bring it on bring it on talking about yeah, the cocos talk about the cocos and the music who was the did we have the gentleman on or did we just talk about him last year he had a I, i'm trying to remember we uh we either went to his web page or something where he had multiple cocos that he hooked together and uh did some sort of presentation back in the day we had multiple cocos connected together doing some music and stuff like that. Does anybody recall what we talked there's, about? There's a few people that have done that actually. Like um, 
uh, Brian Schubring, the ma music man. I mean, he he is a bunch of MIDI synths that he's hooked up to one Coco, and he's actually you know tracked multiple synths simultaneously from from the Coco. Um, Dennis Kitts also did his ambient room experiment. He also sold Color Quaver, which is a four voice. I think that's uh, who I think program you were talking about. Yeah, what was the name again? Dennis Kitts, Bathory Dennis Kitts. Dennis Kitts. Okay, that sounds familiar. He, yeah, he, he did runs, the lower kit. He did hardware and software. He did stuff for the Model One and Three as well. Even before and he Coco still runs the Coco mailing list too. Yeah. He's a professional musician. Like he's he's written operas and symphonies and all kinds of stuff. He's he's quite active, but he had he did a demonstration of his ambient room, which is a demo he did back in the '80s, where he actually had cocos that actually had sensors, hardware designed by him, that would react and emit sound based on movement within the room. So That's had all cool. these sensors scattered around, and then cool. it, as you wandered yeah. through the rooms, music changed following the people around that were walking through. That's a, I, I love that kind of stuff. I've, um... I've done a few experiments myself with, with that kind of stuff and modular synthesizers are perfect for that. Um, it'd be interesting to see if we, you know, to incorporate the Coco into all of that too and have you know, things like video cameras and use them as sensors. Um, there's some very cool stuff you can do. Yeah. I should mention, um, I, Mark, you're still doing the chat stuff because I just finished posting all the links from the, the new stuff if you want to cross post if you haven't already. Yeah, I was wondering if you want to just post those in the regular chat. Yeah, I can do that. So, okay, I'll put them yeah, in the. Well, you, uh, you've got notes. the cross chat so you can actually get them into YouTube and Facebook and everything else. Yeah. Okay. I'll do that here. So. And I see Al Hartman's just joined us in chat and Heavy Systems Inc. Grant Leedy. Hello, everybody. Hey, Grant. Sounds like you're on the road. Yeah, I am. I'm out of town right now, but I just thought I'd pop in and say hi to everybody. Watch out. There's a tornado behind you. That's a pretty <laughs> serious looking tornado, too. It's it's <laughs> twisted brother instead of twisted sister. <laughs> so, so, Grant, we got to get you a new picture. I've seen that too many times looking out the window here. <laughs> There's storm chasing going on there. What F number is that one? I would probably say that would be a, a EF three or four, if not a five. It's a big one. Yeah. Depends if it hits city or not. <laughs> but uh, I thought I'd help everybody's ratings since uh, Stevie's not here today. So. Well, yeah. I was here at the beginning, so the the ratings are still going to be a bit lower, but. <laughs> <laughs> If you guys get around to uh, Ron's garage, I, I just posted a 15-minute Radio Shack video of uh, commercials. There's 30 commercials on there, and uh, they range from toys to uh, radios to computers, and lots of, uh, toward the end, uh, lots of the uh, PC stuff. So it's interesting to watch. With there isn't any copyrighted music in there, is there, Ron? I. Uh, Gosh, I don't know. It's all Radio Shack commercials, so yeah. I'd be a bit leery playing that many commercials in a row and then getting a pull down. <laughs> Play them with the sound off. Well, it's a it's a um, a YouTube um, thing. So it's already on YouTube. So yeah, they should be safe. Thirty commercials in chronological <laughs> order from Radio Shack. Huh. Any of them we can harvest? Uh, there's a couple. Uh, there's uh, two. Uh, color computer ones, the old gray commercial and uh, the one that we just played is in there. 
along with uh, Bill Bixby and many different commercials showing, you know, right from um, the 1200 up to the 3000. Yeah, I'll have to look at that later. Pretty cool. And it's, you know, in, in VHS ugliness, you know. <laughs> in fact, uh, one video is pretty screwed up. You know, it has sideways lines and stuff on occasion. So they must have uh, got the best they could find of yeah. that particular commercial. A lot of commercials are so ugly. Um, do you think anybody would ever in the future have like original video of some of the stuff? That would be cool to see it nice and clear. You know? Well, those would just would have to be something that somebody like accidentally recorded on a VHS tape or something or yeah. on a show. Yep. But it's so ugly. <laughs> of course, the tapes are kind of deteriorating now. Yeah. Um, did there's a post about somebody at Midwest Gaming Classic this weekend, and uh, asking is anyone else here? And there's a, a TRS-80 Model One and a color computer. Any of the Midwest people know about this? That's going on right now, you said? Uh, it was posted one hour ago. I could share my screen. Uh, somebody said they were going to be there. Somebody, I think, from Wisconsin. Uh, yeah, I kind of remember that faintly, too. Joshua Yeager on Facebook. Yeah, okay, fine. That Coco one in the background there you've got, Ron, just yeah. beside you there, is that uh, the keyboard on that? Is that off a, 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 an earlier a model? It's a Mark Data keyboard. Oh, um, okay, right, right. Thought it might have been I, off a Model 1 or 2 or something like that. Or... No, it's, it was made for it. It's uh, Mark Data products. I, I remember Color gonna... Computer News had an article where they actually showed you how to cut the case wider and you can actually fit a Model 3 keyboard and they showed you how to rewire it into a Cocoa. Oh, yeah. yeah. Cool. Oh, okay. No, that, suit, that it suits it with the, 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 the early model Cocoa one there with the, with the full black surround. That actually suits it really nicely. Yeah. Yeah, there's quite a few good keyboards for the Cocoa one. Uh, Keytronics made several models. They had the Professional and a couple others I can't remember. Then they had the HDL57, the Mark Data products, which one I'm showing here. Um, hmm. And there was another one. One had one function key. The Mark Data didn't have any extra keys. And the other, the HGL and, and the P, whatever the thing in the Macona was, uh, had several of them. That all had four function keys or four different keys. Some had locking keys that would you know click and they'd lock down like a caps lock key. And so it was quite a quite a few third party keyboards that are actually quite good. Hmm. I had um, back in the day. I had another one just like that that I took apart and put in a model. Um, for ter terminal case and um, use that keyboard and it fit in the model four slot and um, I didn't have a, a you know, I just blacked out the um, you know the, the keys on the side and um, I put a black and white TV in it and had it, had it uh, for a while back in the day and um, now I, in my collection I found another one that looks just like what I had. So now I have it. And it's like old times. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Yeah, my the Coco the one on the top there, that's my original one that I had in the 80s. That's so got the, a Coco 2 keyboard in it, that one. That's cool. Um, 
That's the, that was one of the upgrades I did back then in the 80s, was one of the first upgrades I did to it. Uh, the second one, I think the first one was 64K RAM. Mm. And, uh, and the other one, the next one was the uh, Coco 2 keyboard. So much better than the chiclet keys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which and is now you're still looking in. for a Coco 3 keyboard, or have you kind of found one yet? Or? I'm, yeah, I'm still, I'm hanging out for Ed's uh, mechanical keyboard, obviously. Oh, okay. Um, so I, I'm sort of, I don't know how, I'm not sure what his time frame is there, but I'm hoping he's sort of going to release it fairly soon. Because, But I, if I find a Coco 3 keyboard in the meantime, I, I, I would, I'll jump on it because I do want to get a proper, yeah, because I, so I was going to mention if you get one of the the, the third party keyboards like the HDL fifty seven or some of those other ones that had the four extra keys, you can use those, and those other four keys do take the place of Control Alt F one and F two. You just need to get the Coco two versions that had the ribbon cable instead of that little connector on the keyboard. And yeah, those would work. Yeah. I don't know if you have any of those available to you, but I've been looking around for them, but I haven't seen anything here in Australia yet. So everything I've seen's been eBay US, and the postage has been a killer. Yeah. Yeah. So the other option I was thinking was just uh, it was getting the, the PS2 adapter and running a PS2 keyboard on it for the time being. Um, the That'd Cloud be 9. But, uh, but yeah, I'm really sort of, I, I really, I've been holding off a little bit because I, I, I'm really set on getting one of Ed's or a few of Ed's actually. I want to replace all the, the keyboards in most of my Cocos with, with Ed's mechanical keyboards. So I know he's got a lot on his plate and he's, he's a very highly in demand with all his, his fancy upgrades, but uh, and the Gimme X and all the rest of it. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping yeah. he does something with the keyboard soon. So. And Mark Marlette of Cloud9 is doing a new um, membrane, I guess, to use your existing Coco keyboard, but to fix the membrane because it wore out to the point where keys would stop working. You type oh, yeah. It was a hybrid one, yeah. Yeah. But that wouldn't solve your case because you don't have a Coco 3 keyboard to fix. So, Yeah, no, no. Uh, did I mention that Al Hartman posted on YouTube that Dennis Kitts had an article in one of his books about mo adapting a Model 1 keyboard with Coco? Yeah, I think I actually remember seeing that. And it definitely fit better than the Model 3 one because the Model 3 one had given you the numeric keypad, which was kind of cool. And it, it actually did work, but you had to literally cut the sides of the case right up to the edge of the plastic just about to fit that thing. It, it looked fit. like a complete hack job. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Someone we've got someone constructing something in the background by the sounds of it. <laughs> Maybe they're building a keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's oh, what yeah, I've that's got right. in my, I forgot about that. Yeah. Coco one in the background there, that's got one of those adapters in it. That's because it's got the pins. And that's a, there's something else I've noticed too. I've, there, there's actually three different uh, connectors. The Coco three has a, a ribbon connector thing, but there's two different ribbon connector connectors. <laughs> one's got the pins on one side and one's got the pins on the other side. Um, and I've got a keyboard. I've got two keyboards here. I've got one, a melted keyboard, which, um, which the ribbon cable has the, the, the conductive side on, on, on one side of it. And the other keyboard I've got here, the, the, the chiclet keys has got the conductor on the other side. Um, so I thought I'd, I, I'd try and get a little smart there. And I, I, <laughs> I folded over the ribbon connector 
um, to get the to get connectors on the correct side for the Coco three um, to plug it into the Coco three, um, and it connected up, but it didn't work. So there must be some other difference there as well. So so I've got yeah, there's basically three different keyboard connectors I've got here, and it's a bit of a pain. <laughs> that little adapter also had a resistor pack on it. Yep. Yep. For, for yep, pull-ups. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's the one in my Coco one behind me there. Yeah, hopefully it does come out with that soon because I know there's a few people that are interested in, in getting that with a real mechanical key style. Like it's an improved keyboard. Mm. Mark Marks is basically to fix an existing keyboard to get it back to pristine shape, but Ed's going like kind of a step further with you know making a brand new keyboard, new laser etch keycaps and everything else here, where it's actually going to be a much better quality keyboard than the Coco 3 keyboard ever was. Well, well, for people though. people that don't have one at all, it's what they need. You know, if they don't have any to start. That's exactly why I'm, hang, I'm I'm sort of holding off until that comes. I mean, if I can get something cheap in the meantime, like if I come across a Coco 3 keyboard for a, for a reasonable price here in Australia, I'll get it for the meantime. But uh, I don't want to spend a fortune on on a solution for it and then you know, be buying one of Ed's keyboards later on anyway and spend, you know. Yeah, and I will mention OS 9 Level 2, like the ease of use Nitrous 9 thing, really does need those keys for quite a bit of stuff. You, you can stumble through some of it, but there's some stuff you won't be able to do without alt and control, control especially. Yeah, 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 right. Just to give you a heads up on that, some basic stuff you can do, but something like your command line editing and stuff requires control to do insert and delete and things like that, so you wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah, okay. David, is that Coco Max there on the top one? That's it. Certainly is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what did you draw there? Uh, it's a, it's an ad for uh, for the uh, Coco VGA and Coco SDC. Oh, it's um, if we can go, yeah, if we can go full screen. So I've got, uh, uh, I'm in the mirror there. Coco VGA, Coco SDC, running on 64K Coco One eboard. Okay. Uh, just just a little nice. thing I did when I when I first got um, Coco Max running. It was my first experiment with it. So. I think I'd give you know Ed and Brendan have been fantastic uh, support for so many many of us here and uh, provided us with some fantastic solutions. So I think I'd give them a bit of a plug on the show. Cool. So obviously there, that's running on Coco VGA, uh, the old Dell monitor, and the uh, the Coco three underneath that's running directly out of the composite output into a a Sony broadcast monitor. So, hey, I was wondering, um, you know, how people um, use the machines to make uh, cases for some of these uh, things, you know, like the um, MPIs and stuff. Is that plastic going to yellow? Do you know? Is that the same kind of plastic that the Cocos are made from? Or, you know, eventually is Looks that like going to yellow? It's, um, it's a 3D printed plastic. So I don't know what that that's like in the long term but uh they look nice and white at the moment but they're pretty yeah. new so they, they probably don't have the additives for the fire uh suppression stuff in them that's what makes it go yellow is it yep yep the bromide yeah. okay yep. okay right right yeah now you can probably see from the you know the coco 3 there is is fairly yellow but it's uh, it's uniformly yellow and it's clean <laughs> and it works that's the big thing <laughs> yeah it works well yeah, and it's 512k of RAM. So, it's a courtesy of, of Bryzer. Fantastic support there. He's He's got some uh, some work there for me to do too. So he's got some a couple of Cocos he wants to remove the the chips from. So I said to 
you know, you know, we scratch each other's backs or whatever and, you know, help each other out and the spirit of the Coco community. So he's helped me out with the Coco 3 and I'll help him out removing some of the chips off his boards for him. So, so. He's, he's got some... Uh... Are we getting echo back from somebody? Oh, yeah. I was thinking, hey, didn't I just well, say that? <laughs> yeah. That was me looking at the video on my phone, but it turned down almost to nothing. Oh, um, well. This, well this, your microphone's working well. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really sensitive. And I can see it's picking up the rain from outside, too. So, ah. so I get a quarter bar of just background noise, so I've been trying to mute it every when I can here. But then I'm finding the mute isn't doing a darn thing. Well, uh, Zoom seems to be muting it quite well because I'm not hearing any of the rain there. That's it's... okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so, all is there right. anything else to discuss, or? Not. We're all disgusted. <laughs> <laughs> How many more of these until uh, Coco Fest? Uh, two. Right, I think. Do math. Let's see. Calendar. Seven, two, yeah, and then before. 20th and 27th, if you're in the U.S. That'll be the 21st and 28th if you're in Australia. <laughs> Make the trek. Are we going to yeah. have one? Touch the heron. Are we going to have one even though we're, uh, you know. The fourth, we can. I mean, now, we have, now that we have multiple people that can stream, uh, we can start a stream and people just can just join Zoom, you know, from on site. I know awesome. Stevie and I were talking too. If we hold it, like basically the fest on Saturday shuts down just before supper, then they have the, the, the supper smorgasbord thing that we order in. And then there's a break before the jam session. And we were thinking maybe we should do kind of a summary of the show in the evening, maybe even make it an after dark and, you know, just let it run right into the jam session. I want to be about seven Eastern time. Yeah. So we, we could do that and just, you know, postpone it to the evening because we're going to be busy on the show floor and the seminars going on and all kinds of stuff during the day. So we wouldn't be able to do too much as part of the people that are actually there. I mean, if you guys want to hold your own little private thing or not private, but a smaller version of the show, because a lot of us will be at the show. Will you guys, well, be, on the, what, will you guys be on Discord? What about, That's what's going on. Yeah, I got Discord on my phone. I mean, most, most show, of us like, do. Like in terms of show, like in terms of if you know when you're going to go live, if you can post in Discord, that'd be awesome. Yeah, and I think Stevie was planning on you know streaming little bits and pieces here and there, or even just setting up a camera and letting it run during the day so that people have something to see, you know, people walking by and maybe see some of the products, depending where the camera's set up. Or maybe because even the seminars, so you can see the seminars live. I'm not sure what his plans are. If we did a, a show uh, at the two o'clock slot, we could um, one of the views we could have could may maybe be streaming from... Uh, Coco yeah, Fest. That's not a bad and, idea. Uh, yeah, and then you could have maybe maybe somebody set up there at Coco Fest could actually um, be showing the show as we're doing it, or answer yeah. questions and do a walk around. Yeah, yeah. I know. Last year we taped, uh, we did the walk around like at the beginning. It's basically everybody, all the people that have booths, were introducing whatever projects they were showing off. Because a lot of the vendors there every other year are so busy tending their own table, they don't want to get a chance to go around. They miss completely some stuff that had happened, including me. So this last time we actually did the tour where everybody would explain, like all the vendors got together and just followed the camera. And we just, as soon as you got to their table, they would step behind their table and say, this is my project and this is what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. And then you get back in the line with everybody else and go on to the next table. And that worked quite well. But if we record yeah. that, then we can actually put that up. And I think Steve did that last year. I think he still has those mm -hmm. up on YouTube. 
Yeah, I believe mm-hmm. so. And setting mm. one up in the uh, room where the seminars are and just letting it run so you get to see all the seminars as they happen too. Um, hopefully the audio is good enough to hear. I don't know about that, but that wouldn't be too hard. Because I know what's Stevie's biggest problem when he did the first couple of years is that he was actively trying to film stuff. And then he did the same thing that the vendors have a problem with, that he missed half the show. Because he's yeah. busy watching one thing yeah, and something yeah. else was going on over here. I had no idea that even happened. So I think he wants to be more directly involved on a personal level to be able to see everything himself. But on the other hand, if we set up a couple stationary cameras at the, where the seminars are held, because it'll just come rapid fire after each other, or one on the show floor just kind of showing the whole thing as an expanse. Yeah, yeah. If they had a, that, I guess they've got a PA system there for the for the seminars, for the presenters and everything, you could perhaps uh, take not a... Really. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. It's, a, it's in a smaller room, so you can kind of hear just by voice. Oh, so you don't really need it. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah. No. Okay. The jam session won't be too hard to hear at all because, I mean, Brian brings his huge stereo for his MIDI stuff and the rest of us bring amps for our guitars and stuff. So, so I think you're probably, make, you're probably you telling us copy- to turn it down, if anything. So. You may get a copyright <laughs> strike. That's the only problem. Well, I don't Depending know. This won't be the original music playing, right? It's a cover band. So I don't know True. if they would be striking that or not. They haven't in the past, at least uh, for the live. Well, I say try it. Try it anyway. I want to hear and it's not like we play correctly because the uh, last few times there we've just decided to try to play a song and then we play a half a minute and then we all forget what comes next and it's on to the next song. So it's more like a. So it's like the YouTube algorithm to recognize it. Yeah, exactly. Because I'll, I'll I'll screw up notes. I'll guarantee I'll screw up notes because I'm some of the times I'll get a request for a song I haven't tried in ten years and I barely remember any of it. So. That's like when me and my friend Jam we call ourselves ADHD. <laughs> Code yourself what? Sorry. I'm- ADHD. Oh. Look, squirrel. <laughs> we play, we'll play the intro to a song and then go to something else and then play half the bridge and then. Just like... Yeah, if you want a preview of how bad it is, just watch the one Stevie did last year of him and me, and I think it was basically just us last year. So. I guess Brian Schubring joined in for a bit. Tony Bergeraza sang a song or two. Um, I don't know if we recorded, but Rick Adams played a little bit of blues licks on an acoustic guitar, which is kind of cool because I didn't even know he played guitar. That'd be cool. Back in the day when uh, <laughs> that was my uh, 80s iPod. Yeah. <laughs> cool. so, um, that was, uh, I bought that new in the 80s. I've, that's a recent photo. It still works. And I've uh, been plugging my cocoa into that. So, uh, How much was that, baby? <laughs> Uh, I can't remember. I think it might have been oh, $300 or something back in the day when I bought it. Did it use fancy yeah. chromium tape? Yes, yeah, yeah. Chrome and metal tape capability, oh, actually. Oh, yeah. And, and auto-reverse and programmable swapping between the decks <coughs> and high-speed dubbing and all the rest of it and 10-inch woofers and uh, a, a, quite a decent power amp in it, too. And it, it, we're talking about jam sessions and everything. That's back in the day. I used to use that as a, a keyboard amp with the DX7 and, and the SY77. You didn't uh, look. You didn't look like the guy in the bus on the bus in one of those Star Trek uh, movies with a boombox. Oh, <laughs> I remember that. That was Star Trek Four, right? When he went yeah. back. Yeah. 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 When he got the, uh, the nerf pinch to shut him up. Yeah. <laughs> talking to his mouse. Computer. Computer. That was a good one. Started yeah. Four. Hmm. It was even numbered, so it was good. 
I need to step away, guys, here. So thank you. You guys have a good rest of your day. And All right. Thanks. Yeah, you too, Brian. Thank you. Thanks. See you. See you, Brian. See you next week, Brian. You bet. Hey, Brian. So, Bye. So I'm, I'm not sure how much more of a show we have anyway. Is there anything much more to cover at this point? Or? Maybe are there any more segments? I think we're running down. We're at two and a half hours right now. So yeah, I'm out of news unless something new is happening. Play recently. the outro. Alrighty, let's uh, do the sponsors here. Coco Talk would like to thank some of our community members and sponsors. Check out the Coco VGA project at cocovga.com. Boyson Technologies at boyson tech. Com. Jim Brain and Retro Innovations can be found at go the number four retro.com. Cloud9 Technologies at cloud the number nine tech.com. Coco Talk is on the Coco TV channel on Roku thanks to Roger Taylor. For a very cool project to turn an SD card into a ROM pack, check out sdpak.com. Get your own switcheroo and wallaby cable at cocoman.biz. Check out some coffee mugs, t-shirts, and swag at our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. For all things color computer, visit imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A, coconut.com. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. Let's not forget the Coco Crew at cococrew.org. Extructus Productions at extructus.com. And certainly... Let's not forget the Cylon himself, Ed Snyder, the Zipster, at the Zipster Zone. T-H-E-Z-I-P-P-S-T-E-R Zone.com. This concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click on the Patreon link on our site at cocotalk.live. Cocotalk would not exist without the community and its cast and crew. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Nick Morentes, Ron Delvaux, Rick Adams, Jason Reichert, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Karen Anscombe, Simon Jonason, and many, many more. Special thanks to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and to Brian Joyce, Ken Reichert, and Rob Inman for all of their bonus content and contributions, as well as Roger Taylor for getting us on the Coco TV channel on Roku. Please help support the Coco community by visiting some of its contributors. The Coco Crew Podcast at CocoCrew.org. Glenside Color Computer Club, host of Coco Fest at GlensideCCC.com. Jim Brain and Retro Innovations at Go, the number four, Retro.com. Tandy Assembly at TandyAssembly.com. Boyson Technologies at B-O-Y-S-O-N-Tech.com. Get your own switcheroo and wallaby cable at cocoman.biz. Cloud9 Technologies at cloud9tech.com. Coco Talk is hosted by Steve Strobridge, co-hosts, technical directors, segment hosts, and producers Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Grant Leedy, Mark Overholzer, Ron Delvaux, and Jason Reichert. The Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. Mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. Well, all right. Any parting thoughts?
Nick, are you, uh, what are you doing with your SY99? You, you wouldn't be uh, entertaining the possibility of selling it by any chance, would you? Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't be too greedy, I guess. My, mine will be here tomorrow. <laughs> no, I've, I've had, I, I mean, I don't know how to play the things, but uh, my, my kids, uh, they're into that sort of thing. Yeah, so I yeah, keep yeah. the keyboard uh, for when they come over. Yeah, no, to to perfectly understandable. They're uh, very desirable keyboards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've got an SY seventy seven, haven't you? Yeah, and I've got a ninety nine on the way, and it'll be, <laughs> yeah. that'll be that'll be here tomorrow. So uh, it's basically the same thing, just a bigger, bigger, longer keyboard. Yeah, it's and some different samples, um, and also a much better effects section as well. So, oh, the right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the 99 has the ability to import samples as well, user samples. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So there's a few uh, a few additions in the 99 over the 77, but the 77 is still a fantastic board. It's a heavy thing. Yeah, yep, yep. Yeah, 20 kilos. Built like a tank. All right. All right. End of the show. Ready to push the button. Okay. <laughs> I think they were. Casio. I think they were speaking Australian. <laughs> Is this the end? Is this the end? They didn't say Fosters. Ron Delvo, <laughs> what's that in the background you got there? <laughs> this is uh, my Radio Shack one. I picked up for six bucks. Does it do MIDI? <laughs> yes. Look. Nice. Ah, uh, there you go. <laughs> there you Where'd go. you get that? Radio or at um. Goodwill. Nice. For like six bucks. I'm going to think Ron has a Radio Shack in his garage. Yeah. What's the, what's, what's the branding on that one? Is it, did they brand it realistic? Or it's is it, uh, Radio Shack. Or Casio. Or it's probably Shack. a Casio. 42. A rebadge, rebadge Casio. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It takes six C batteries or uh, this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's fun. I don't hmm. know. How to play it? Well, just just uh, get the MIDI cable for it, there, Ron. You can run Ultimus and play all the MIDI songs that Mike Knutson and the guys did back in the eighties and nineties. I have to try. <laughs> Ryan Schubert could definitely help you with that. He's he's runs a lot of that stuff too. Cool. Okay. Good. Say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, goodbye everybody. everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.